I do see myself as a threat to um, many of the individuals in the tribe. However, I feel that they won't want to vote me out immediately. Who the fuck is that guy? Welcome to Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast going over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way to the current day. We are in Season 2 of Australian Survivor, Celebrity Survivor, Channel 7's version of Survivor, fresh off a fantastic interview with everybody's favourite dancer, Kim Johnson Herjavac. We are back to do another recap episode two this is an interesting one it's it's exciting for most parts it's got some great bits and then there's a guy who gets voted out and i am sad that i share his name and i don't know why i'm speaking like this i'm being weird so i'm just going to say that my name is ben waterworth and i'm a boy now thank you to miss ben waterworth name blong me matthew dyson <laughs> uh, uh, that's a helicopter, helicopter, helicopter. That, that's all the Bislama that I've learned, Ben. Uh, as... <laughs> hey, Good guys, uh, as you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And you're right, like, Ben, this is a great episode. Well, I think it's a great episode because now in our first episode of this season, we talked about Ben Wynn, the great man himself, Ben Wynn. <laughs> and you said to me that you think he's possibly the worst survivor of all time. And, but you said Matthew, and I tried to talk him up and say, well, no, that's not the case. And you said you're willing to have your mind changed. This is our only episode we get to do it now. This is his his only full episode he is on this season. So I'm going to spend the next couple of hours trying to sway you into going from, you know, possibly the worst survivor ever to an absolute hidden gem of Australian survivor. But uh, in the meantime, I'm going to try to learn some more Bizlama too. How did I go with that, Ben? Was that Was that good? Yeah, it's pretty good. I liked it. It was it was good. Yeah, better than I could have done. If I had have done it, it would have sounded uh, yeah probably racist, and I probably would have been fired <laughs> from podcasting forever because I just don't generally tend to do those sort of things anymore. I just want to make it clear that um, I'm no Ian Dicko Dixon with the no. Bizlama. It just rolled off the tongue for him. <laughs> but uh, but basically, As everything I'm, does with Dicko. Just yeah. to point out. So basically what I said was it was pretty, it's pidgin English. We're going to talk about this later on about Bizlama, about the, the, the pidgin English, which is uh, in Vanuatu. But basically I just said, thank you very much, Ben Waterworth. And my name is Matthew Dyson. So that took me all of about 10 seconds to learn. And I think that's all I'm going to learn too. Now, was this a, was this a translator app or is this just you're actually so good on interpreting other languages that you were able to just do that that quickly? 
that was me getting on YouTube and Googling Bislama greetings. Right. <laughs> well, you, you did more research for that than I did on this episode. Look, I, I'm going to be flat out honest with you, Matt Dyson. It's going to take a lot of fucking hard work, mate, for you to change my mind because I'm telling you now watching this episode, I, I, how can I have my mind changed? This guy's not in this episode. There's no opinion you can form off this guy. What, what are you... I, I want to know what you've been smoking in the last week because, like... I feel like I just, I, I, there's nothing to form an opinion on this guy. I swear, like, I see him in the background. I'm like, is that a tree or is that Ben? I can't tell the difference. <laughs> look, it, there's just something about him. The guy's built like a brick shit house. He's, <laughs> he, he, look, I'll, I'll give you this. He has one confessional in this episode and it, it almost looks like he's getting fed the line, the lines, you know, like, it is yeah. a bit awkward, but there's just something about him. Like, I love the fact we don't even know if this guy, if it's his real name. Like, we still can't track him down. We, it's, it's like he's a ghost. It's like, I don't know. It, it's Something intrigues me about it. So I love the fact that we now get to spend the next couple of hours talking about what I think is the great man himself, Ben Wynn. And I just hope that by the end of this episode, that you know, maybe, maybe you sort of, think that maybe you can see him in the way I look at him and there's something that's something special about this bloke. Yeah, I'm going to probably put some good money on that not being a thing, <laughs> but uh, we'll see how we go because he's probably realistically, whether or not I'm making the big call about worst survivor player of all time, he's going to be the most intriguing slash invisible slash forgettable Australian survivor contestant of all time. I don't think that is a question because... <laughs> You know, we talked about it with David, how he got on the show and everything along those lines. But it's not like he came in and left a presence on this season. I, I, I would guarantee you that, you know, those sporacle quizzes that they have every now and then when you've got like five minutes to type in as many things as you can and, and like... You know, they did it a while with the US contestants. I think I saw recently there's an Australian survivor one, like Guess Who's Made the Merge, and of course, only including the Channel 10 one, of course. But if you were to do, you know, guess all 124 Australian survivor contestants or however many we've had um, at the time of this being released, that he would be the one that no one would remember. It would The only way you would get this guy is if you were going, fuck, I've forgotten names. Surely a Ben's played survivor and you would type in Ben, right? Like, because it's a common name. Um, I, 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 for the life of me, would, would put a lot of money on this guy being the most forgettable Australian Survivor player of all time. Uh, and I totally agree. And that's what fascinates me about this bloke because he really had no right being on this series, as, as we've talked about before. The two confessionals he had, he had one in, in the last episode, one in this episode, and it's, you said it before, not much personality going on, but he's still a contestant. This is what I love. He has still played the game of Australian Survivor. This yeah. is what's fantastic about it. And it's like he's just appeared, he's gone. No one's ever seen him since. Um, apparently he was a jungle expert. You've questioned, questioned that. But I don't know, Ben, that's what I love about him. Because like you said, out of all the people that have played the game, we know the least about him. So I'm going to talk the shit out of this guy, talk him up. And hopefully by the end of it, we can have a bit of fun. And uh, and and who knows? We'll, maybe you'll end up loving him by the end. I, I'm glad you're on this podcast, Matt, to do that. We need someone like this. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I'm sure we're going to have an episode one day where we're probably going to be shitting over one contestant all episode. It's going to probably happen and his name will be Matt Dyson. But, hey, we'll get to that episode <laughs> in a few years. But uh, we need the 50-50 balance. We, we do, we do. And, and okay, i got another thing. Do, do we... Do we class him as a first boot? Because it is the first episode that 
he's in any of the challenges and it's the first episode that he's eligible to be voted out. So it's, it's line ball. It's kind of like Palau, right? Where it's like a Wender, Wander and Jonathan first boots. Um, Mm. or is it, um, Gosh, I've gone blank on the third boot. And yeah, the, you know I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I see a face, but I can't remember. Uh, it. Yeah, female, is it Yolanda? Yeah. No, no. Could, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, it was Yolanda. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, like, I mean, kind of. Some people will argue she's the first boot because Wanda and Jonathan didn't get a chance, right? Um. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's there for interpretation. It's kind of like, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you say like, well, is Kim a quitter, or is mm-hmm. Kim, I mean, by all technicality, she's voted out. By all technicalities, Lucinda's voted out. That's what what it goes down to. But you could technically argue both are quitters because they voted for themselves. So, mm. you know. But uh, I guess the record book show he's the second boot. And I, I'm generally, like, I love the first boot club, Matt. Like, you're, you're an honoured member of that first boot club. It is, to me, the second most esteemed club in Survivor behind the winner's club. I'm a huge advocate. I've always been an advocate for the second boot club. I remember in the Survivor Oz days, I was always the one advocating that the second boot club had bigger personalities in it and was an amazing group if you analyse all of those second boots. This is not the case in this <laughs> season. Uh, I just... Oh, no, I don't want so, to get started early. So, but, uh, so, 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 he, so he, you're, not, you're saying he's not the poster boy for the second boot club? No. He's not, sadly. Um, just, I, I mean, we'll go through the second boots of Australian Survivor. We obviously covered Tim, of course, last uh, last season. But um, no, I, I would probably firmly say right now, with a with a bullet, if we were to rank the second boots, he's probably going to be firmly at the bottom. Uh, sorry, yeah. Mr. Ben. Well, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you. For me, it's like it's that disappointment. Of with Ben Water uh, with Ben Win that you know like he's in it such a short time but Ben all good things come to an end just, just like Nelly Furtado sung in that famous song of hers all good things come to an end Ben and this is what this episode's all about didn't she have talking about singers we we've covered a few singers on that's actually a name that's a, I'm glad I brought her up because that's someone that had a bloody pretty big hit uh, CD around that time of Survivor. The album was called Loose, of course. You're a smart man, Matthew Dyson. I, I like these little uh, workings you have and the, the, the way you do this because uh, there's never a bad time to play Nelly Furtado. So you might have already uh, opened our door for the uh, the closing song. I will actually quickly mention too, just uh, on, on the topic of the closing song, last week, great episode with Kim, of course. If you haven't listened to it, go back and uh, download and listen to it. We didn't actually mention what song we were going to play uh, we went, of course, with uh, Time of Our Lives from Dirty Dancing, the only good thing from Dirty Dancing. So uh, I, I felt we needed to back explain why that song was playing because, of course, we talked with Kim about being on Dirty Dancing or the real Dirty Dancing on Channel 7 or whatever it's called. So, uh, Matt, you might have already, you know, we've gotten this over and done with. We're going to remember what possible closing song we've got unless something amazing else comes up in this episode. Well, we never know what, what comes up on these episodes, but... Now, she, fun fact, I'll just, just check then. So she was born in Victoria, British Columbia, British Columbia, Canada. Now, is that where around where you are right now? It is the exact city I'm in right now, Matthew Dyson. Yes, yeah, she is a local girl. Um, and I, I don't, like, I wish Mallory was here for me to back this up, but I know that there's some family friend or something of Mallory's who has some connection to her, and it might just be a case of she lived next door to her aunt or something like that. I don't know, but 
I, I learned that she was a Victorian girl based on a conversation that Mallory had like, oh yeah, my blah, 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 knows her, blah, blah, blah. So yes, I am in her home city right now of Nelly Furtado. So, so that Loose album, that actually came out in 2006, which is perfect because obviously that's the year this season was played. So it was her biggest selling album, 12 million copies sold worldwide. So while all these players are out there in Vanuatu trying to trying to win Celebrity Survivor, she's having the, the biggest album of her career at the exact same time. Good old Nelly Furtado. I, look, I like this trend that we've got going, um, that, that our closing music is a bit fluid this season so far. And I like the fact that we're kind of going on that theme, mainly of 2006 music. We've been a bit, you know, we've had Kiss Kiss by Holly Valance, we had the Crazy Frog song, you know. But like now maybe to keep on that level, we've got to, we look at the biggest song from 2006 and we can tie it into each contestant. So all good things must come to an end. I wouldn't personally put it there for Ben, but like, hey, like I'm, I'm happy to, you know, right now that's the leading contender. I wouldn't go with promiscuous because I don't know anything. I don't know about man eater. <laughs> I mean, the guy's a good looking rooster, but, but I don't maybe, know if, you know, he goes that we, way. Maybe we can add that song in maybe when Gabriel Richards gets voted out or something like that. Maybe we, maybe we bring, we come back. Are you talking to promiscuous or man eater here? Careful. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> According to the Channel 7 editors, I'm going to go with promiscuous because I swear to God, every five seconds, we've got like a big zoom in of her, you know, boobs and stomach. Uh, mm. it's, that's, that, that, I feel that's almost the new weekly segment on uh, this season of Australian Survivor. How many times is Gabrielle Richards getting zoomed in on? <laughs> and, and, and just for the listeners, people are probably wondering, I haven't heard the Crazy Frog yet. That's an episode that has actually hasn't been uh, oh, is uploaded it? yet, oh. Ben, no. I mean, no, we've not heard the Crazy Frog song. What are you talking about? <laughs> thanks, for, um, thanks for giving it away, Ben. Jesus Christ, you think I should read these pre-production notes? Or maybe it was a clever segue to plant it into people's heads <laughs> so that they will know to... To keep on listening. Um, this episode, it feels actually quite sometimes because I, I obviously whenever we kind of have the episode and then we have an interview, then we kind of go back into the episode recaps. Um, you know, it's sort of I, I get in the zone of an interview. I, I get all pumped up and excited learning about that, and then kind of you get back into the zone for the, the different episodes. So things that I was looking out for this week because I really enjoyed our Dicko Thug Life moment that we had. So that's something we're doing every week. So we're, I want to get some contenders for Dicko Thug Life moment of the week as well. And also, like I, I think we've kind of firmly established now that we kind of go out of our way to pick an MVP of the episode or an MVP of the week, essentially. And this is a tricky one, I feel, this this week. This one's kind of a little bit all over the place. Because you said you said at the intro there, Matt, that you thought this was a, a very good episode. I'm, I'm just going to say this right now, and I, I hope maybe my mind changes. I thought this was just a middle-of-the-road episode. This episode didn't really stand out too much to me. It's brilliant. It wasn't a bad episode. It was a standard episode of Survivor. Um, so this is where, like, and the play in this, the gameplay in this episode, there's a couple here that will be uh, potential MVP, so I'm looking forward to kind of going over this with you to see who that could be. Uh, okay, so let me clarify. It's a brilliant episode because it's the only full episode of Ben Wynn, so that's right. why I said it was a brilliant episode because it's the only one we ever get to see him in a full episode of Survivor. So for me, it's a brilliant episode. I, I would almost, um, you know, reiterate though that I feel he gets more screen time in the five minutes he's in last week than he is in the 42 minutes this week. So um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm actually, I, I'm trying to find out, actually go through the confessional accounts here, if he's got the lowest ever percentage. Uh, Lucinda, one episode, one confessional, she has a, a 0.24 percentage uh, but for multiple episodes, uh, I would almost go out on a limb and say Ben has that at 0.54% confessionals, two so, out of two episodes. 
Well, what about Flick? Because she went a long time without any confessionals, that and then she true. only she only got some right at the end. But she was in a lot of episodes by the time she got I'll voted out. I'll try and find that uh, before oh, this episode ends. Well, hang on a second. Sammy Scoers never even got a confessional. Yeah, well, there you go. There, there's a clear answer. We don't need to go digging around. But the flick actually is a, is a good point. I would actually like to find that one out too. Um, but no, yeah, you're right, Sammy. Not that. There's the record holder there. That's the obvious one standing out in front of us. Um, but even then, I would say Sammy, not the most forgettable contestant in Australian Survivor because it's kind of like the Purple Kelly factor, right? Like people know Purple Kelly because of the Purple Kelly edit. That's become a thing. People know Sammy Showers because she didn't get a confessional and all the stories that come out afterwards that she actually was doing stuff out there and we never got to see it. But is that crazy to think that Lucinda and Ben Wynn got more yeah. confessionals than her and she was in for, a, you know, well, I don't know, 20 or Half 20 days season? or 15 days or something. Yeah, she was... She was in for quite some time, but anyway. Well, you think about uh, also this season. I mean, Kim Johnson had nine confessionals in her very first ever. She had more confessionals than you, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, yeah but, uh, it's, but it's Kim Johnson. Who wouldn't want to hear her talk, you know? Exactly. And if you want to hear her talk, download her episode last week from Australian Survivor Archives. All right, ticked off all those segues, got all the stuff done. Let's get into the episode. The previously on section... Dicko, of course, brings his own stamp to even the previously on. Like, usually we get a previously on Survivor, you know, to par of this, to par of that. Like, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a bit there. We, Lincoln had a bit of a different t- flavor to it, but I think it kind of adapted well. Do you pick up on Dicko's, like, difference? It's almost like he's explaining it in the past tense third person. Like, it's very weird the way he's kind of like, it was Imogen Bailey who let down, like, the way she, he explains it. Is it just me or is it sounds a bit weird? That didn't sound like anything of a Dicko impersonation. <laughs> Have I lost like, my Dicko? Oh, no. Yeah, what, what the hell just happened there? But you're right. Until you just mentioned it, now I think about it, you're, you're, you're 100% right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That was all pre-production, uh, sorry, post-production stuff. So who knows what was going on. He must, wonder what, he must have just gone in for a day and said, this is what we need. We need you to say these lines and... We did that with his commentary, right? Like we, we yeah, that's what I mean. So they would have had to go through all the episodes, do all the commentary over the the challenges. Um, But what I like about this starting on day four at Moso Beach, this is something I really want to talk about. We got Imogen's confessional straight up. She's talking about finding it tough. Now this is a difference I think between Imogen and Kim Johnson. She says, "My head is saying keep going, but my body is saying stop." So she's struggling. Make no mistake about it. Imogen Bailey. She is struggling at this point on day four, but her head is still telling her to keep going where with Kim Johnson, she was struggling. And I think her head was telling her to give up. And and that's a difference between Imogen Bailey, not being the first boot and obviously Kim being the first boot and Imogen becoming one of the best players of this season. So I just really wanted to, to make that point because let's be honest, Imogen does go on to be one of the, the, the greats of this season. Well, and let's let's point this out right now, I think, um, and this sort of might date it slightly so people know when we're kind of recording this and maybe why we haven't mentioned it in the past, but we can utter these words right now, of course. Australian Survivor Hall of Famer, Imogen Bailey. Um, and, yeah, you're right. And this is what we talked about in the first episode about how she's got one of these great arcs, doesn't she, in Survivor, that she goes from, like, the very bottom, nearly voted out first, to arguably becoming the most dominant female player easily of this season. Uh, You would argue maybe the most dominant player of this season and one who many people believe should have won this season. And let's be honest, she 
was the the best player this season who didn't get voted out and didn't come back into the game. You know, she made it the furthest of the traditional way of playing Survivor. She got voted out last, and the only people who beat her were voted out previously and got brought back into the game because of a twist. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I love this little moment from Imogen kind of just... If you're watching this live, you're thinking, how the hell is this woman going to survive? She's mm. basically nearly been the first boot. She... Here, all of a sudden, he's saying, like, my body can't take it. She's vomiting, essentially, but she can't vomit. And she's got a lot of people against her still in this episode, particularly a certain white witch. So, yeah, she's she's back against the wall, really back against the wall. But one thing that I really took away from Kim's interview last week that made me love this woman even more is when Kim was talking about that Imogen had a point to prove by doing that pig challenge. Like, she let the, she felt she let the tribe down in that first challenge. So I've got to make it up. And this is in a challenge that is basically against her firm beliefs. And also the thing that you always, I think, need to mention in this season as well is the brand. These are celebrities. They have a brand to protect. So I can't imagine that, like, that's not hard on her, that she's his face for Peter. And then all of a sudden she's having to, like, you know, potentially carry pigs. She ultimately never got a turn, but still. So there's so many levels of respect that I have for Imogen. And... It's just, it's interesting sitting here and analyzing these episodes, even in the opening couple of minutes, and she's just saying, I'm feeling sick and blah, 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 to know how well she does in this season. It's just amazing. I'm going to put you on the spot, Ben. Peter, what does that actually stand for? Uh, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, I believe. Oh, yeah. Of course it is. Um, I just knew it. Well, I think a lot of people knew it because it was kind of, when it became a thing, it's because they got all these like beautiful celebrities to pose naked, right? So like it was clever marketing, like you paid attention to it, right? And then all of a sudden they started doing these outlandish sort of campaigns and everything along those lines. But um, whether or not you agree with their um, their beliefs, uh, they're, they're very good at marketing. Um, and I do remember actually a period when Imogen Bailey was a, a very big face for them. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I could have imagined that would have been very, very tricky for her. So I definitely respect her for that. And in the end, she didn't have to grab one of the pigs no, anyway because they, yeah. they'd already lost. Yeah. Ultimately, she didn't have to do it. But no, I, I like this whole opening sequence just with Imogen, kind of the way she's feeling that way, um, you know, very, very interesting. Um, I should also mention too, just quickly, I, I wrote down here that we get Ben on the opening credits, different credits. So um, yeah. this is the first time in Australian Survivor history, I believe, we have a different credit than the first one that we had in the first episode. So uh, that's not a Channel 10 thing. That's a Channel 7 thing. So uh, I feel it's important to point that out. And just a funny thing too, Ben, like we've seen photos of the whole cast and that. Ben's never in them. No. Like So, yeah, so they, they only ever, all the promo cast photos are only of the 11 celebrities, not Ben in them, which is always finds fascinating as well. It says but, something um, though, doesn't it? Come on, Matt. It does, but <laughs> it would be great. It would be great. Hope Who knows? It would be great to get a photo with the whole 12 cast together because we've, ne- we've never seen one. No, they're, they're, yeah, I, I've seen, yeah, the sort of, and even the ones that are available are kind of only loose. This is um, probably, as we've always said, you know, the one season we might struggle to get a lot of kind of the promo publicity. We've had some, of course, that we've shared on social media, but, um, and the more and more that comes to us, that's fantastic. But uh, yeah, I don't even know if there'd be one in existence. Um, probably maybe not. there is, maybe there isn't. So now, this is what I love about editing of, of these Survivor shows. So you've got, obviously, like you said, Imogen, one minute she's trying to throw up, she can't, she's struggling. You flick over to Kakula Beach, the first shot, Gabrielle Rich and sunbaking. She's just doing There's it one. easy. Take just... it off. 
There's a bucket list for the episode. It's 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 a Gabrielle Richards body bingo. There it is. It's already ticked off. <laughs> but it is funny how they yeah you know, like they're they're selling a narrative obviously. And here you know Moso was struggling. Kakula they're just they're just bloody making their camp better. She's sunbaking. You've got. You've got Elton. How good's Elton's confessional here? Not much. Like, do you want to do you want to talk about his confessional? Oh, I know what, you're. What are you talking about, man? Oh, it's, it's more <laughs> confessional. This is what I'm saying. Uh, is, is this the uh, boys with toys confessional? Is that? Oh no, no, it's the penthouse <laughs> and outhouse. Pen the penthouse yeah. and outhouse. And doghouse. Dog doghouse. Doghouse. I the thing. I actually will say. Um, I really liked Elton this episode. I because Elton to me is a big kid in this episode. Like. All Elton does in this episode is talk about being in um, the doghouse and the penthouse. Yeah. He talks about boys with toys and he smashes things. Like he, he can't get a coconut water because he keeps smashing it. And then you get that line, I think, in Tribal when Guy says, if uh, you know you want a leader in smashing things, it's Elton and myself. You cut to Elton and he's got like this big like childish grin like, oh, yeah, I smash stuff. Like just he's such a rugby player. Like I love him. He's just like, oh, yeah, look at me smashing to your Milton. It's great. <laughs> It's funny enough. You're right. Elton's going to be one of those characters that, as we go through these episodes, we're we're just going to love. It's like yeah. Sylvan. Like we're going to just to the end, to the point where we're like, you know what? I'm so glad he was on the season. Oh, yeah. Because you yeah. never see. Like I don't think I've ever had a passing thought about Elton Flatley as a Survivor player ever. It's not that I no. I think he was bad. It's not that I think he was great. I've just he's just there. He's just kind of a player who goes out middle of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And like I I still to this day probably think of him more as a Wallaby than a Survivor player. But yeah. it's it's I mean as I think most people probably would. He, he of course I assume Elton Flatley would too. But <laughs> it's um. Like, it's an episode and a half or two episodes in. Like, I just all of a sudden, yeah, you're right. Like, he's kind of one of these cultish ones, I feel, that you can kind of appreciate him for just being this big kid. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. <laughs> and what I, I like it in this episode, too, when he sits out and the guy's like, oh, yeah, Flats is going to sit out. Like, just, you know, I love I love Australians and their nicknames. Oh, yeah, Flats is going to sit out, you know. Did you ever get, like, Daiso or something like that? Like, have you ever gotten something like that? I wasn't there long enough. I mean, I mean, not necessarily in Survivor, like in life. Like, is that like a... Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what absolutely. is it? What's, what's the go-to that you get? Is yeah, Daiso. Daiso. Yeah. What would... You'd just be Waterworth, wouldn't you? Um, I don't really... Have, I've never really had one. Uh, like, people usually give me like a... a I've had Benno, uh, Benjamina... Uh, anything around Benji and like I, I hate Benjamin. I hate my full name and I hate Benny. Like I hate this episode when they keep calling him Benny. What about Big Dog? No, Big Ben. Sorry, Big Ben. Uh, I've, uh sometimes, but you know, not really a thing. Yeah. Have you? No- we'll talk about it later. But have you noticed that all of a sudden Ben Wynn starts getting get, nicknamed as Big, Big ben, ben, Benny, Big Fella? Um, <laughs> yeah, he got a lot of things. Um, the thing that I. Uh, this is the thing that I like with Ben though. Like this whole opening, this is where he gets his confessional, right? And his confessional essentially comes down to, oh yeah, um, I don't think they think I'm a threat. Maybe they do. We'll see. Like that's literally it. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, okay. Let's play this game. I'm going to put up. So Ben went in his prime. Mm-hmm. The guy was he had heaps of muscles. He was a he was a tall fella too. I'd love to know how tall he was. He was a big bloke. Yeah, right. Big Ben. Then then you've got Zach, the big yep. dog. Zach yep. from from my season All Stars. Okay, big big Ben versus the big dog in their prime. Who would win in 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 a, in a, in a wrestle? I'm going with Zach. 
Like I know Ben's a SAS guy, right? And he's probably got tactics, but Zach, Zach was a gladiator. That guy knows how to push people off things. And Zach's energetic. Like, Zach's got a personality. And I think, like, you can't ever underestimate a personality in something like that because you've got to get yourself pumped up. Like, to me, like, like I, 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 this is where I come to my conclusion. When they win the challenge, when they win the reward challenge, you've got Guy Leach, like, flexing the muscles. Everyone's pumping up. Ben's leader in the back and going, <laughs> we won. <laughs> like, he just doesn't do anything. Like, you fucking won a challenge, mate. Get excited. So, to me, he's just going to stand there and be all like, oh, I'm SAS. And Zach's just going to be like, Aah! and, like, fucking good. And it's a keto diet too, Matt. No, so I'm going to have to disagree with you here, Ben. I reckon, I reckon the big Ben would beat the big dog simply because Ben, big, you know, big dog Zach. He, he likes to sort of look good first, win second, a bit of a you know showman. Like, and I've, I love that. I love that about Zach. Where Ben, big Ben, Ben Win, he would just, he would, he wouldn't say much. As we know, he doesn't really say much. He would end up just wrapping him up, put him in a headlock and just just put the big dog to sleep in like two <laughs> seconds, I reckon. And then probably get up and say, oh, now I've got to go look for some food out in the bush that I can steam. Too much personality there, Matt. It's, <laughs> now I've got to go look for some food in the bush. <laughs> Take Wade and Gardner with him. But anyway, I just, I thought I'd put that out there. We'll put it out there. I'll tell you what, this is the clip that we're sharing as yep. the audio and people can comment on this to say who will win, Ben or <laughs> Ben or Zach. No, it's not Ben. It's the big dog versus Sorry. big Ben. Big dog versus big Ben. There you go. All right. Big dog <laughs> versus big Ben. I'll try and uh, remember that <sighs> in the promotional material, Matthew oh, Dyson. I, I mean, okay, then I'll, I'll counter your claim. Do you think there's anyone who could beat big Ben then? Do you think he's Mr. Beat Unbeatable based on... I, I honestly think out of everyone that's played this game, and this is talking about when he played, so the age he was when he played... I reckon he he would win hands down against what, anyone. What what about uh what about Mr. Bachelor? What against Mr. Lockie? You oh, know, no. This is way. a guy who rammed his way through sticks and like the like as much as I you know have my opinions on Lockie, that episode was pretty epic when he's literally ramming his way through like things of but, sticks. But you got to remember, sometimes like you look at someone like. Big Ben, like that yep. guy. It's not only big, but he, he he goes out and does it tough as uh, being in the SAS. Like the, where someone like say Robbie from my season, yeah, absolute like shredded to bits. But a lot of that's show, you know. Like yes, they're in the gym doing it, but it doesn't mean that they could put it to work in, in a ring or you know wrestling or whatever. Like it's more for the magazine covers and and all that. Where where Ben's just. He's just a big, rugged guy. How good is Ben Win? Get on this bandwagon. I think you've got a bit of last... a crush on him, Matt. I this think uh, last... Hanan might need to look out here. This is the last time we get to speak about this bloke. So get on the bandwagon, Ben. Come on. What What, what about um your I... uh, fellow, your season's uh, Ben? What about Damien? You know, special forces, you know? How yeah, do you think? yeah, but he's still not up there. Am, am I the first guy in history to talk up Ben Wynn? You are. You really are. Uh, <laughs> like, Probably the only guy that's going to talk him up. I, I, I'm, I'm one for joining weird bandwagons. Like, I'm I'm on the David Haas train. Never thought I would be, but look at this. I'm I'm firmly on it. Choo-choo Karoo. But I just don't <laughs> think I can get on the Ben Wynn train. I'm sorry. Like, the guy is a shame well, to my name. I, I tell you who's not, not quite on the bandwagon here is Guy. So he has a confessional here where... He actually thinks Ben is a threat and Guy's saying like he needs to be strategic about when to let him go. So he knows that, well, hang on a sec. Like this guy could actually be a threat to my game because he is physical. He is a big guy. 
Um, or do we just get rid of him early because he was the last one in the tribe? Stick to like the original alliance of you know they they made that pact that any if anyone else came into the game they they would be the first to go. But see, guy, he's thinking here like, well, is it is it the right time to get rid of him? But at the same time, he's thinking, well, he doesn't want to get rid of him too late where Ben starts dominating in the game and you know becomes a bit of a a, a physical threat. One thing I actually really appreciate about that confessional in this episode is we get two confessionals this episode which kind of have a real strategic element. And this is, let's be honest, this is a season probably not well known for its like strategic flashy confessionals, right? You know, you'd, you'd have more of that in season one than you do in this uh, season, even though I would argue there's maybe more of what you would say is renowned survivor strategy in this season than in season, season one is a lot more subtle, whereas this one it's sort of, more what you expect from a survivor episode today but yeah you have guy here basically saying like there's a strategic element to when we've got to vote him out and then later on we're going to get imogen's confessional where she's essentially talking about like i'm planting in people's heads that we need to get rid of fiona so kind of two things and again i think they're very important it's well edited because these are obviously two people who are going to go very deep into this season guy's going to win and imogen's going to finish third so um I think like that, they're really little subtle little things that, again, they're not like a Channel 10 flashy, like, you know, golden god, you know, I'm the emperor, ah, like, you know, you're not going to remember them as great as all time confessionals. But in the grand scheme of this game, particularly for Guy, the winner of this season, who, again, when you rank Guy up against all the other winners, uh, for a variety of reasons, Guy's generally probably going to come down near the bottom of the winners of Australian Survivor. But there's elements here that show that. He got to the end, be it a twist, of course, um, based on some of this thing that got him to a point where he could come back into the game. There's no doubt that Guy Leach was was playing this game to win. So, like, he, he wasn't just there just to be there and get more fame and all that. Like, Guy was someone that genuinely wanted to win this game, and he would have been thinking the whole way. Like, like, like even – and it's clear with this. Like, he would have been thinking, well, Ben, Ben's a threat. Because he is a big guy, you know. If he made the merge, and in the, in the, you know, who knows? The women might have taken a liking to him because he's not outgoing. Like they wouldn't, they might have thought, well, he's not really a threat, you know, like a social threat and all that. And all of a sudden, he wins. You know, Ben wins the last couple of immunity challenges, and he gets to the end. You know, so yeah, guy would have been thinking about all that. And and I love that. You know, obviously he's he he did that confessional. Now talking about confessionals. Now we we come to Ben's only confessional of this episode. <laughs> I've put in my notes, I've put in brackets, very awkward confessional. We've, we've already touched on it. But Ben, is this the most awkward confessional in the history of, the, in the history of Survivor? Yeah, it's up there. Um, but, um, yeah, but, I mean, I, phew, tell me you wrote it down word for word because there's only like four I, I, words in it, right? Oh, it's, it's a bit more than that. And, and obviously we'll play it in, in the end credits so everyone can hear it. But I'll try to do this without the way he did it. So it's like I do see myself as a threat to many of the individuals in this tribe. However, I feel like they won't want to vote me out immediately. Like, it, were those lines, like, fed to him? Because it, it didn't come across natural and it sounds like many of the individuals. But but this is the thing with Ben, right? And this is where I just can't be sold on any of this cultness because when we do hear from him, again, he's like a tree, right? If he's been fed these lines... He just, he has no personality with him. And it's like, at the end when he gets voted out, even his final words are very like wooden and scripted and it's just like, yeah, I had a good time and thanks for having me and all the best. Like, 
I hope this guy in the SES wasn't like a, a leader. Like, you know, like, all right, guys, we're going to go out and kill some people. So um, let's go. Like, I mean, you got to be in the zone. Like, you're a cop, Matt. Like, I'm sure, like, you've got, like, you, you've got to get that area. Like, when you, you're going into, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever done a raid, but, like, if you go into a raid, like, you're going to be focused. You're switched in. You've got to you've got to be on point. You've got to be prepared. But, like, if I've got this guy getting me pumped up, like, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Have you seen you've seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street? I, well, bits and I've not seen oh, all come of Come on, Ben. What I'll stop right now. I'll quit right now. I'm going to go watch it right now. <laughs> Surely you've seen that they do it a lot of memes and stuff. That, yeah. That famous um, line when when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is playing, obviously, the Wolf of Wall Street. He um he, he's in his office and he's given this inspirational speech to the rest of his yeah, you know, and he's getting. I don't think Ben Wynn's doing that sort of like <laughs> where he's getting the rest of them like yeah, and they're all yelling out like yeah, come on yeah, like, and, and, and I, I I can't see Ben being like that like no. just you know getting the masses all hyped up and pepped up, but. Maybe he, maybe he just was like this. He he would go into these these SAS jobs where maybe he was just a solo guy, like like Eric Banner in Black Hawk Down. He says, "I, I work best alone." <laughs> Glad you bring up Black Hawk Down, one of the best Dicko lines in this episode. <laughs> That's got to be the Sug Life moment, I think. <laughs> Can I just say, I didn't even I didn't even realize that. You're right. Dicko actually brings up Black Hawk Down. That was actually just a coincidence. I didn't even I forgot he even mentioned that. I feel that, that that's a contender for Thug Life. But um, when you said Solo there for a moment, then I thought we we're going back to season one. Now, good friends over at um at Solo. But um, I mean, this is the thing. Like, I feel like I mean, we always knew this episode was going to be the Ben Win episode because like he's just like he's probably the nicest guy in the world. He's like he's you know he's he's Lance levels of nice. I'm sure. Like I I, I I feel like I'm so negative on this guy and I'm making fun of him. Like I have no, like he's probably the nicest guy. And should we ever track him down, this will be better than when you track down Shona, when you track down Jeff, when you ever track down Ben Darkles. This will be the greatest achievement we will ever get on Australian Survivor Archives if we get Benjamin Win on. And we've got hundreds of episodes to go in our future, so we're not going to give up. We'll be like 85 and he'll be like 100 and we'll get him on finally and he'll die as soon as he's finished his interview. But... But, like, this is just the thing. Like, it's just, it's like the curious case of Benjamin Wynn. Who is this guy? Like, what is this guy? And all we get to see him, like, how many words? That that confessional you just read out, Matt, count me those words on that page. There's got to be, like, 12 words you said, I feel. Uh, 30, 40, 50, 60. He's, he's about 25. About 25. 25. 25 words. We should go back and see the first confessional, right? He, he might have said 50 words on Survivor. Right, I know he's only in two episodes, well, an episode and a half, episode and a quarter. Technically, he's yeah. not even in two full episodes. But like, this is a guy who is an Australian Survivor contestant. Like, we we're here defending this season as a proper season of Survivor. We classify these people as Australian Survivor contestants. Benjamin Wynn is one of them. But like, that's it. And what what are we like four minutes into this episode? And that's all we're going to hear from him. This is a guy's getting voted out this episode. <laughs> Like, I'm telling you now, Sammy, we got more from her and she never got a confessional. We at least knew who she was, you know? But I wonder, I would love to know how many actual confessionals, like, they did with him and then in the end they're like, geez, we, we we can't air this. They they must have thought, like, just just air the best one we've got and, and that was it. That was it. <laughs> Give credit to the bloke, though. I mean, he's, he's obviously done tours probably, you know, in Afghanistan, Iraq, who knows? Like, he's not used to having a camera shoved in his face and have to, like, come up with, with lines. And, like, Ben, obviously, I know you haven't played the game, and obviously, like, 
you sit in front of the camera and they will they will ask you a few questions and then you've just got to rattle off stuff and you've just got to rattle off like whatever comes to your head first. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, yeah, like, can you say that again? But like add a bit more or, or whatever, you know, and you're just going off with whatever comes off the top of your head. But like I could sit here and talk all day. Like that's just something I've always been able to do. Like you, Ben, you're, you're the king of it. You're the icon. Like you can just talk shit all day. You know, Ben probably never had to do that. So like, he, he's probably sitting there like, okay, Ben, talk. Talk about your time on, on, on today. And he's probably like, mm, uh, uh, many of the individuals of my tribe uh, feel like, you know, I'm, I'm good. What's that training too? Like you're rigid. Like you're in an army-based or SAS, like, what, like that military type environment. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more rigid. It's a lot more – you're absolutely right. And it it's a – like you've got to have a, I think a personality. Like this is where like 2006 Survivor is different to you know Channel 10 Survivor because the majority of what Channel 10 are looking for is a personality who can oh, sit in front of a camera and drop a zinger. You know they can drop yeah. a Golden God style quote. You know a Luke Toki. Like they want that because that's who we love. That's the entertainment. That's why we love a Fiona Horn because like she yeah. she gives it right and like. I completely agree with you. Um, and, like, this is probably completely against this guy and what he's used to, but this, again, just fits into the mould of, like, who is this guy? Why is he there? <laughs> like, David couldn't even answer that a couple of weeks ago. Like, it's just, like, this is the best you can get, like, throwing a spanner in the works. <laughs> it, David Mason did say that he thought he may have known him from, like, the mould days. So, so was he originally going to be a mould? Would, would he have made a good mould? No. Because, well... <laughs> He, he wouldn't, wouldn't have given him anything. in a week. <laughs> <laughs> that he guy. Wouldn't given, he, would, he wouldn't have given anything away though. Like he, he, he wouldn't. He certainly wouldn't have spoken too much where he would have given. But he's stuff also away. been like because well, the mole had to like kind of sabotage challenges, right? And I just feel like he just wouldn't have a an ability to do that. He would just be because he's such a towering hunk of a man. Like he's just. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just this is the this is the biggest mystery of Australian Survivor is Ben Win. I'm calling this now. Like this this is hands down the biggest mystery yep. ever in any version. I'm gonna even go out on a limb here. The biggest mystery of any Survivor in the world is yep. Benjamin Win. Nate, people listening to this right now. I want you to come up with another mystery from Survivor, be it a contestant mystery or a theory or something, because I feel for the most part, things have been explained. We, we, we generally know the Nicaragua explanation about the mortgage gate. We generally know about Micronesia and the, the matches and the, the all-stars and the matches and lots of matches. We, we know we've heard it, Sandwich Gate and Borneo. We know it, we've heard it, we've generally got an explanation. No explanation. Even David Mason could barely explain this guy, and he fucking cast him. It was interesting that when we were asking the executive producer, like, where, how did, where did this guy come from? Like, when we're expecting that he's going to come uh, tell us a story about, oh, well, you know, like, he had auditioned for something else or we knew him or he, he was an SIS, guy, SIS, like, expert that they got in or whatever. Even he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't remember. He was just like, oh, I don't know where he came from. And I'm like, well... And I said, like, he wasn't a celebrity, so he wouldn't have had, let's be honest, Ben Wynn didn't have a bloody Max Markson, you know, <laughs> trying to promote him. Like, you know, he didn't have a talent agent. It, where did he come from? I, I, I'm still annoyed that we don't know where the hell this bloke came from. This is the biggest we, This is the biggest detective job we will have on this show. Matt Dyson, if you find him, 
fuck it, if I find him, like, you automatically become a detective in the Queens. I, I, I don't have any power over that. But I'm sure even your superiors listening to this show go, fuck, he's good at these. Like, he should be a detective. Here's your badge. Go on, gold shield. <laughs> I spent way too many hours trying to track him down with with no leads whatsoever. We'll, we'll, we'll put him on the missing person list, Ben, with uh, Ben with Dark. Dark. Everyone listening to this, seriously, like just just any connection. Like if you if you happen to be part, if you live in Canberra and you're just going past the SAS, like fucking knock on the door, I'm like how you doing? I know it's all secure and everything, but like, have you heard of this guy? Like just. We, we will do everything, like, between him and Ben Dark. It's the Bens. Like, look at yeah. this. It's Ben Dark and Ben Wynn. Like, it, what is it about the Bens? What a stupid name anyway. So I don't know. I don't know, but you just got to make sure. You don't even have to say, like, when you're trying to track him down, you don't even have to say Ben Wynn. You say, look, I'm looking for Big Ben. Big they'll, Ben. They'll know, who, they'll know who you're talking about. Now, Ben, Moso, we get a bit of tree mail here. Oh, give uh, it to me, Matt. This time we don't actually see it just stuck on the tree. Remember <laughs> last week it was just stuck. <laughs> So Nicole yeah, the props, finds the props it. get hidden this week, don't they? I feel they, they don't do. even really see the immunity idol that match. Thank no, God. No, no, that's <laughs> right. I think they must have heard us bagging it out. Yeah, they and did cut it out. But so Nicole finds tree mail. She reads it now. Here, Ben, this is what I'm on this show for. So I'll can read you, it. Can out. you read it to me as Ben Wynn? Like I just kind of feel like we need to just have the we're in the episode of him. So you know, I'll try. I'll probably still have a bit too much exuberance, but we'll, we'll try <laughs> to improve the slumber of your little society comes a challenge with a lot of variety. <laughs> Winning this would be quite a thrill, but it's important how little you spill. <laughs> if you're really careful when you tread, you'll have sweet dreams tucked up in bed. And I, I go. I, yeah, I think, you, you know, a bit too much personality, but anything is, let's be honest. But you still did very well. Like, I, I appreciated that. Uh, do you reckon? I reckon this was what went down. So I reckon Kakula found the tree mile first. It was actually Ben Wynn because he was out in the Let's be honest. He was out in the forest with Wayne Gardner looking for food that he could steam. And Ben Wynn stumbled across the tree, yep. you know, that had the nail in it. So he picks off and Ben actually did the original reading and ben, and David Mason's like, oh, fuck me. We can't do it. Like, Mo, so get someone... They're probably radio in to, over, over to someone on the beach. I'm like, fucking get, get Nicole. She, she's an actress. Go get her on the tree and bloody get her to read this out. We've got Ben Wynn over here, bloody found it. And yep. I reckon that's what happened. And David Mason's just like, fuck me. Like, we can't do this. We can't air this. And got to say, um, a bit of an improvement on the, uh, the the lyrics here of this tree mail. I can't even remember last week. So I don't know if you still got that written down. But um, this this one is like a this lot is a good better. One. This yeah. is a good one. I actually, so obviously they fired the person from the first episode. <laughs> and, and I don't know, maybe David Mason was doing this himself. But this is much better. So, yeah, props to them. One thing I'll say too, um, before we get to the reward challenge, um, talking about Nicole and actors, and also I want to talk about Justin as well. Like we talk about Ben Wynn maybe being the nicest guy out there with Lance, but but Nicole's got to be the female Lance. Like mm. she is the nicest, like most energetic, just like amazing human she is. And I want to give a bit of props to Nicole's gameplay in this episode because there's going to be a. I, I want to bring this up now, and I'm sure we'll cover it again. I'm going to forget about it, but it's when later on when Fiona's kind of talking to her about possibly voting Imogen out. Nicole just plays along with it, right? And like. This is in a period of survival, and again, it's sort of a lot more mate and, you know, it's it's hard to kind of lie to people about voting them off. I mean, we saw that last season. Nobody could really lie about, like, oh, no, I'm I'm in alliance with them. I'm not going to vote them off. Nicole just basically goes, yeah, fuck it, let's vote Imogen off. Ah, she's probably sick. Like, 
I think I said it in the first episode that essentially this is maybe the strongest pairing we ever get in Australian Survivor, at least up there. Um, so, you know, props to Nicole. The one thing I want to say about Justin, it's a very interesting season this season with confessionals. We've got Mr. Bland, Ben, you know, we've got Ilton Flatley, bloody excited to do bloody everything. And then we've got Justin Melvy, who likes to talk and maybe just give a bit more accentuation to the way he talks his words like it's it's like it's almost like he's reading an, a script or something isn't it like he's got a way of delivering his confessionals justin melby ben you left out the best one your guy leech impression with all the mates oh mate yeah, yeah, yeah mate fucking mate 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 yeah guy leech and his mates but um actually and one on guy leech's confessional he's the way he wears his buff in his hat did you ever have those hats in school where you kind of had like the shade hanging over the back of your neck and it's called a Legionnaire's hat. A Come Legionnaire's on, hat. I, I knew it had a name. I just couldn't remember it. It's kind of <laughs> like he's made, and like he's. Let's be honest. He's a. He's an Iron Man. He's out in the sun. I'm sure he's been on many slip slop slap campaigns. So he's used to that. But we've got Guide delivering the the Legionnaire's hat confessional. We've got Elton. We've got Boone. Uh, and then we've got Justin Melvey's. Um, you know, acting class. Uh, and this is what his confessionals are always like. And it's it's a level of entertainment. It's I'm going to call him the Rupert Bonham of Australian Survivor because Rupert Bonham is very like the way he delivers a confessional it's very dramatic and he's got to put words up and then he comes down a little bit and he's got to make sure you see what he says whereas like Justin Melby is like that isn't he like it's it's similar that's a great voice Ben <laughs> I just I love me some Rupert who the hell voted for me like so I always I always pronounced it Boneham yeah I think it, I think it's Bonham I think I said it wrong uh, Bonham uh, Bonham potato potato <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, we, well, I like these comparisons when we can when we can do that. Justin Melby and Rupert never thought you'd hear those two be compared. We're talking about Justin. This is actually just before the reward challenge. So after they um, read out the tree mail, this I actually love this little. So Imogen's like, she isn't happy. Like she wanted it to be food. Mm. You know, she wants it. She's like, oh, oh I just I just want food. You know, and then Justin, he's this is gold. He's trying to just like he's like, ah, oh, I'm sure they'll throw that in as well. And then it goes to a confessional of Justin. And he's like, ah. Oh, if it's another physical challenge, we don't stand a hope. You yeah. know, like he knows. He's like, oh, shit, we're screwed. And, um, yeah, it's just you really take a liking to Justin in this season. Like, he is a great player. I yeah, Like, I think we talked about it in the first episode. Like, that Justin's a, a, a unique player, and um, there's a lot of mystery around Justin and what he was doing out there. But, um, no, I like Justin. I And, again, he's kind of up there maybe with an Elton, somebody who I'm actually enjoying a lot more. One person, too, actually, that I want to quickly mention, I forgot, Amber. The, the famous sort of line here that gets replayed a lot when she's kind of like, what do we have to do to eat? I just want <laughs> some food. Like, we love Amber. Like, as we keep saying, sort of the backdoor pilot for this show was our Amber interview for the Oz Network. She's great and she's a hidden gem when it comes to a character in Australian Survivor. And arguably, the, you know, one of the biggest moves in this season comes from, from Amber. But just, I just love this one, you know, and I can imagine at the time she would have hated that because that kind of just makes it sound like a whingy celebrity. Because it does sound very much like, but I love it. Like I'm doing that with the nicest possible intentions. It's just, it's entertaining. I love it. And I love Amber in that moment. Oh, Amber is brilliant. And you're right. That does get played over. But every time you, like if there's a clip of Amber, it seems to always be, be that line. But uh, Ben, the reward challenge, straight up. Dicko back in his shades, mate. He's got the glass. How good is it? He's just, just Dicko. He's just, he's just Dicko. And like, what is so good about him? 
is he no. like basically comes in. He's like, see who they got rid of? They got rid of Kim. And then I love it when he's basically talking and then like Fiona comes out and Fiona's been Fiona this episode. Oh, I've got a big heart. We're going to do that. And I love Dicko. That's fighting talk. That's good. Like, come on. Here's how the reward. And what does he say like when he's explaining the reward? He's like, so how does it work? Let me explain. Like, I love the way he kind of has to explain now, it like that. Now, oh, I, I really, I really like this challenge. I have so to I. admit. I, yeah. I, I, I think it's Both I think challenges it's great... this episode are great. Yeah, I agree. Um, with you. Completely with you. And again, I think... I really struggle to think of any dud challenges this season. I think this season could still be the most consistently great season for challenges because I think you don't have any duds this season from what I can remember. This is a great chance. So basically, they have to smash a coconut and they have to fill up half of it with water and then they've got to carry it through a series of obstacles. So we've got kind of like a a wobbly beam. Then we've got like a a stick maze where they've kind of got to dodge and weave and everything along those lines to, uh, to get through it. Um, and then at the end of it, they have got to fill up a water bottle to a line and uh, then they essentially, whoever gets... Oh, and there's also a balance beam, isn't there? Like a, mm. a, a teeter-totter, yeah. as they call it, a seesaw. Why am I being American? Living on the wrong side of the world, apparently. Uh, and they've got a bottle, they've got to fill it up to the line. Lo- love this challenge. It's, it's great. Like we've seen a lot of variations of this challenge over the years. I generally, I'd, I'd, maybe they weren't allowed to. I was thinking like, well, couldn't you like put some in your mouth? And then also fill it up with the the coconut as well. But I'm assuming they were probably told they weren't to, because somebody surely would have had to click to do that. Um, but yeah, it's and it's a, a fairly closest challenge. It's not like it, it starts off close, I guess, and then eventually Kakula kind of walks away with it. But um, it's yeah, it's it's not as physical as the first two in the first episode, which kind of really were dominated by Kakula, of course. And the third challenge in a row, Kakula is undefeated uh, three challenges into this season. Well, it's not real physical, which is they, they sit out Gabriel in, in this um, challenge, which is surprising because I thought maybe obviously not knowing what the immunity challenge was going to be, that maybe they would um, sit someone else out because Gabriel could have easily done this challenge, but for whatever like reason. dainty, right? Like balancey yeah. and kind of. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But you think, you know, she would have been able to do it, no problem, but which has surprised me. So in the end, all the, all the Kakula males end up doing it and they obviously, they win. Kakula win. I, yeah, I st- you're right, but I still can't get used to watching a challenge with with the voiceover. I know, like, obviously this is going to be a thing for the whole season, but it does, ta- like, for a good challenge, it still does take away from a challenge where the host isn't, like, in the moment at the time all excited and all that. Like, you're just hearing the voiceover and it, it that's the only thing that takes away from this challenge. Completely agree. And I think... The problem comes too from, like, and when I say problem with Dicko, it's it's more of a, he's got a very unique voice, and I think kind of like he's obviously used to um, a certain style when it comes to voiceovers, and a voiceover is a, a much different thing. Like it's it's hard to get in a zone to pretend you're doing the commentary in a, in a recording booth. Like, you know, I, I've done that in the past where say I've done an interview. And say I've had a technical problem, I've had to go back in and dub my questions in again. It's hard to kind of get yourself back into that mm. mind frame. It's like right now, if my side of this recording wasn't working and I had to go and dub this in, my voice isn't going to be the same. I'm going to maybe sound a bit scripted. I've got to get myself into that zone to sound natural. And that's the problem here with Dicko, where it doesn't really sound that natural. And from memory, I think it kind of, you get a little bit more natural commentary later in the season. Like mm. I think they kind of, they add a little bit more, but yeah, you're right. It does. And it's a shame because again, there's, that's the only thing wrong here. There's, there's like, it's a great challenge. 
Um, you know, it, it's entertaining. We get uh, some great reactions from Guy and the guys at the end when they win. Um, you get a fucking Elton just like, oh, smashing shit. Like, <laughs> he's like a Chris Lilly character. I don't know how much you're into Chris Lilly shows, but like um, the, the ones from Dunt, Nathan, the deaf guy, he's kind of like, you know, smashing, oh, fucking smashing shit. Like, that's, uh, that's I think half of his shows have been bloody taken off Netflix. Yeah, and oh, stuff, sorry, right? cancel culture. We're not allowed to mention Chris yeah. Lilly anymore. Um, he's <laughs> hey. up there with Don Burke. We can't mention him anymore. <laughs> Oh, I, I always love a Don Burke reference. But, yeah, so this was the first time that we hear Dicko refer to Ben Wynn as Big Ben, which is yep. great. So that continues on throughout the episode. Now, you said it's the only thing that's wrong with this challenge. I disagree. There's one other Ooh. thing. When Kakula win, they fucking share the oh, reward. Now, this goes yes, back yes, yes. Yep. to season one where you knew, you know, Ben, that I was furious. Every time someone won, they shared the reward, Lance. Lance, of course, sharing the pizza and Katie sharing the chicken and all that. I thought we were past that, Ben. This is day four. Day four, can I say, in a 25-day game, and they're already sharing the reward. I'm sorry. No, no, no. They should have nipped that in the bud. Well, and I'm blaming Dicko because it's Dicko, I think, who plants the seed because Dicko is the one who comes up and goes, so are you going to share the reward? Like, it's kind of almost like a forceful thing, right? Like, I, I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, David Mason or anybody involved in the editing, maybe they were discussing this and Dicko kind of took it. But the way I see it, Dicko comes in and he's basically like, you've won the reward. Would you like, are you going to share it? Like, it's not even like a will, would you like to? It's almost like he forces them to. But it, it's, it's the second reward of the yeah. whole season and they're already sharing, like, no, no, no. Like, that's that's And crazy. the reward's too much still. The reward's still too much of course for me. It like, is. you're getting a bed and a big plate of fruit. This is, like, day four. Like, you should be getting fucking, like, fishing line. Like, again, I realise it's a 21-day season, so you got to kind of streamline it a little bit more. I understand that. And I know there's celebrities. There's probably certain things you don't want to be completely miserable. But, I mean, you shouldn't have Elton Flatley in episode two going, we're in the uh, penthouse while they're in the... Like, I mean... You know, it's not a Fiji where you're deliberately doing the haves and haves not, right? So I, I'm with you. Like, it, it didn't bother me as much as I think it maybe did for you in the first. It did, definitely did bother me. But like this, I, as soon as I, yeah, I'm like, okay, Matt's going to be pissed about this. When you think about it, we're four days in. They've already, now they've got beds. They've got, they've already had a feast before, like in the first episode. Like, they're not doing it exactly tough, you know, like they might be hungry, but I, I don't know. Anyway. But this is a funny thing. Dicko here, he's he's asking him, do you want to share it? But then then he ends up saying, end the love fest, please. You know, like, did you? Yeah, two yeah. times in two episodes. Dicko yeah. doesn't like love. But like, can I just point out, I, I love Dicko. Like, Dicko to me sounds like he just always wants to get rid of them. Because he's literally like all the time like, all right, let's get on with it. Like, he's just kind of like, I've got things to do back in my, my bungalow. Because he's always like seemingly getting rid of them. Um, the other thing I love about this too is at the end he's- of the challenge... Um, when Fiona goes on, and I'm going to say this right now, and again, I know we Fiona's polarizing. She's a great character to have on our screens. I get it. Fiona can be entertaining, but Fiona really annoys me this episode, particularly here when she's like, oh, we're going to go back. We've got each other. We were like holding, like the way she kind of just like goes on with it. And then if you look at Amber, Amber's literally got like this, oh my God, shut the fuck up. Like look on her face. She's like almost like looking in the camera going like, hear this, like hear what she's going on. And again, like Fiona is great television that she can she can get that reaction from someone but i just i was really frustratingly annoyed with fiona this episode the way she goes on about things no see i love it that i I totally disagree because i love it the fact that she's aware that hang on a sec she's probably thinking geez this is day four and we're already sharing food and like 
they're almost they're almost making out that Moso is a bit of a charity case. Which which like, like it's insulting. I, get it. I it's totally insulting. get it, and I do get it, and it's great television. But the thing that frustrates me with Fiona is that Fiona's smart. Fiona's good at this game. Fiona is trying to get people together and be like, let's four of us strong. And like, let's get to the merge. Like Fiona is like a Katie gold where she can see it. She can see the end game. She knows to take that path. But the thing that's annoying about Fiona is that the social side of thing is so bad that like, she has these moments where she's just basically like, well, if you don't like it, just vote me out. I don't care. Like, it's kind of like, it's, it gets to a point where it's like, I just, I want her to be better than that because I think if she carved out that social side of things, we would be talking about her like a Katie Gold because she's so good at that side of things. But like when she comes back to camp here and she just keeps going on about like, we're not a charity case. I'm not going to eat any of this food. I'm full. I'm going to do this. I won't eat their fruit. Like who do they think we are? Because then you've even got them on the other side, like a cooler. You've got David Oldfield, Oldfield, like Mr. Smart, like straight away going like, oh, she didn't want a bar of me, did she? Like look at her. I had to force her to like shake my hand. Like if the other tribe is noticing it, you've got a problem. Yeah, I did like that. I, I, I love that David Oldfield, he's on to it. Like, oh, David Oldfield, underrated episode. He doesn't get a lot of screen yeah. time, but when he does. But, well, he's he's the, what, what was it, the man, uh, the man among man men? A few or? words, but yeah. when he does the ground shakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I uh, love David Oldfield. But, um, no, look, I, I know you're saying Fiona's annoying. Yeah, I, I love it. I love the fact that she is standing up for herself. And, Obviously, like Fiona, she wants to earn everything she gets, whether that's in life or on and this show. I can show, understand but- that, though. I can understand that. But, like, this is where I think it just comes down to a, a personality. Like, like I, honestly, Matt, like, I, I could see you working with a Fiona Horn. I think, like, Absolutely. your type of personality and the way, like, again, from what I know of you from doing this show and having watched you on your five seconds on Survivor, like, that's the type of person. And I think you would work with a Fiona quite well. And that's yeah. where I think kind of we differ is that, like, I can be as annoying as fuck. I can be a prick. I can definitely be like Fiona. But I feel, and again, this is coming from someone who's never played, never been in that situation. This is just the, the Monday morning quarterback in me talking about this right now in, in a comfy chair and a comfy living room. I feel I wouldn't be that way and express myself that way because I know socially it wouldn't be a smart thing to do. That, mm. But again, I could be put in that situation and we could be here in five years' time talking about me and my one episode and how I was worse than Fiona Horn. So who knows? There's a great moment here where everyone's just like back in Moso. They're all hoeing into the fruit that they've just been obviously handed and gifted by Kakula. They're all hoeing into fruit and Fiona's standing back and she's banging on. And she actually <laughs> says this. Like, we, we, we don't, they, need, they need SAS guys to help them. Like, so Ben Wynn gets a little note there. Like She's like, oh, they need SAS guys to win. I thought it was great. And then... Um, she's like, we, you know, we can't get soft now. Like, we, we, we don't we don't need to get handouts. And then Nicole's like, oh, no, no, we don't need handouts as she's, like, biting into a pineapple. <laughs> and, and also the thing I love about that is that, like, I just think it's Nicole trying to, like, everyone's got this look on their face, right? You kind of just <laughs> see everyone going, oh, my God, shut up. And then they, Nicole, like, after she does that, she kind of goes like, this tastes fantastic. Like Nicole, just the cheerleader trying to pick it up. And she has a great, is it a confessional or does she say it to everyone else when she's like, those gorgeous boys gave us fruit. Like, I think it's a confessional, but I, I love Nicole. Like she's just, and I usually hate the super positive person. I'm usually the one who doesn't like a person like this. They annoy me, but she's great. 
the, the, the thing I love about Nicole here, like she, she was hoeing into that pineapple. Oh, yeah. Like that, she was not going to say no to the pineapple, but she does have that confession where she's like, like she gets where Fiona's coming from. So yeah. she she does that in a confession. She she admits that, yeah, I can see Fiona's point, but that's not But that's where she's good. Hitting. But that, that, that to me yeah. is the socialness of it. And that's where Nicole, going back to what I was saying about for what she's going to be with Fiona and talking about Imogen. Nicole's got that smart where she's just that type of personality where she can play the sides. Like she can handle... Uh, an in-your-face kind of abrasive type like Fiona, but she can easily be friends with Imogen. Like you look like chalk and cheese. Like you've got you've got Fiona and you've got Amber. They're, they're going to clash. You're going to see that yeah. next week. They're never going to get along. They can't find a middle line. Whereas Nicole can. Nicole is Mallory. That is Mallory to a T. Mallory can find a middle ground with anyone, whether she likes them or not. I'm Amber. I'm going to get moody at a person and I'm going to hold it against them and I'm going to struggle to get past that they annoy me. I, that I'm literally Amber. So, like, that's where I can appreciate someone like a Nicole because I look at them and go, well, I wish I could be like you. And she's so good at it. She's just so naturally gifted at doing it. Well, and that's right. That's why Amber's little confessional here that to, to, to finalise this little segment she actually says, tone down the girl power and just enjoy a nice gesture. Yeah. Like it's, it's a little dig at, at, at Fiona saying, Hey, like, yeah, you know, tone it down. Like, yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a handout, but just, just enjoy it. Like don't, don't complain about it. But I don't know, Ben, who like, I'm still on Fiona's side here. I'm sorry. Like, well, I think she was right in saying what she said. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I don't agree, but I was going to say, Nicole is the less annoying and this is going to piss a few people off. She's a less annoying Shawnee and Fenella. Like everyone loves them. Like everyone loves them. And she's super positive and fun to be around, but she's just not as annoying as Shawnee and Fenella. So this is Amber? Uh, no, this is Nicole. Oh, Nicole. Yeah. Like oh, she's that yeah. type of personality that like, like no one wants to vote them out. No one wanted to vote Shawnee and Fenella oh. out, right? Because they're just so no. great to be around. And I, when I say annoying, that's just my opinion. I found them annoying. And I, I will say that out loud. And I'm not afraid to say that. That's just me. I'm not, I don't know them. I've never met See, them. I'm basing it on edit. Same with Nicole. But I'm I, never annoyed by Nicole. So that's. I would almost difference. go as far as to say Nicole's a bit more like Anita from my season. Just, oh, yeah. you know, like very friendly, you know. That would never have an enemy, you know. Just gets along with everyone. I just think Nicole's a bit more exuberant. I'm not saying Anita's. I I agree with you. I think that's a great comparison too. But I think Nicole's got a little bit more energy to her, kind yeah. of like a Shawnee and Fenella. That they're kind of, you know, you know, always you always know they're you're around that person, you know. Whereas I feel yeah. Anita maybe is a little bit quieter at certain points. Again, I didn't play with her. You were out there with her, so <laughs> I wonder. Like obviously, uh, this episode, I'm trying to get you on the Ben Win. The, the big Ben oh, yeah, bandwagon. I wonder if it's been a while. <laughs> I wonder if we'll, we'll ever get you on the Shawnee and Finella bandwagon. Oh well, it's more about getting them on our bandwagon, right? We we kind of know that uh, we might struggle to get them on the show. But <laughs> look, I look, I I I always feel I need to um, tone down my opinion sometimes, just because uh, I. I I'll be honest, like when it comes to the Channel 10 seasons, I've never really sat down with a complete critical lens to like what we're doing right now. Um, And my opinions will change. And I know a lot less about the Channel 10 ones because I've only ever watched each of them once. I will admit the majority of the episodes, I probably zone out of them halfway through them on my phone. So I probably forget a lot about them anyway. So I'm going to be learning a lot of those through those when we eventually get to them. 
Um, and, and by then, of course, the point of this podcast is to be a history-based podcast going over things. So, you know, we're, we're going to have a few more years removed from when they aired because a lot of them are still very fresh, of course, when we're recording this. And, you know, we're releasing these episodes in 2021. You know, we're maybe going to start season three, you know, by the end of 2021. And by that point, that's five years removed. So by the time we get to say like a your season, when we get to Shawnee and Fenella, you know, if we're five years removed, that's 2023. So a lot can change in that period. One thing I'll say, Fenella, fucking brilliant Instagram videos with her child. They are hilarious. Um, if nobody I don't, I don't know where them, she gets the energy from. Oh, my God. Like, again, like... She, she basically, with her, her the baby, like, would have a different song every single post and, like, lip syncs it. And her baby's, like, the most happiest baby in the world. And it's, I am, I for somebody who annoyed the crap out of me on Survivor and I don't think likes me in the slightest based on our few Twitter interactions, I love her Instagram videos. Like, absolutely love them. We don't know if Ben Wynn ever had a child, but do you reckon he was, like, in the, if you had a scale of, like... Of like how excited, like obviously, we, I know what videos you're talking about with Fenella. Like she's she's dancing, she's just like off the charts. Yeah. Do you reckon Ben Wynn would be like that? Yeah, like I, I, the one I'm just randomly picturing in my head is when Fenella did the um, "I Want to Dance with Somebody" by Whitney Houston. Um, I'm just imagining this big tree of a man. Yeah, I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel <laughs> the heat with somebody. I feel his baby is like more energetic than he would be. A newborn coming out of his wife. You know, and then like more energy. Your your twins have more energy than he does. You know, like it's 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 that simple. Um, oh, anyway, um, back to the episode. <laughs> um, yeah, look, we're going to be talking a bit about. We've still got um another week of Fiona, don't we? So uh, you know, plenty plenty of stuff to cover. And again, like I just I reiterate, I don't dislike Fiona. She just annoys me this episode. So great television, great. She's a great character, great Australian. She's the complete opposite of a Ben Wynn. You do not forget Fiona Horn. That no, simple. that's right. But uh, now Imogen, this is like, we've got to keep talking up Imogen. Cause oh, this is, is brilliant. Yeah. It, it is brilliant. So straight away, obviously Fiona's given him a, you know, given her a bit more ammunition because, you know, Fiona's obviously going on a high horse about all this food and, and, and the challenge and all that and accepting the food. Imogen's playing this great. So she's using that to advantage. She, she pulls you know, Amber aside or whatever. And, She's she's saying to it like you've seen it for yourself like she's trying to she's obviously trying to encourage people to be able to vote for Fiona and she's saying well Amber you know you've seen it for yourself look at Fiona look how she's carrying on and Imogen has a great great little confessional here where she says like she's trying she's trying to convince people to vote for Fiona like you know she she's she's planting seeds and you know um, yeah, yeah basically planting the seed that hey Fiona's really annoying here and. Do you really want her to be around camp? Do you really want her in this tribe? It's, it's great. And I love that line from Imogen when she's saying, like, I'm planting the seeds. And, like, again, this is um kind of that, constantly say it, the bridging season, but you've got things saying like that. Like, we didn't get a whole lot of that in season one, right, because it's still a lot more social aspect. But this is a very big modern-day survivor thing, isn't it? Like, I'm planting seeds, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like, But even the way Imogen does it, like, She's not super showy, is she? It's not like she's like, I'm planting seeds. Like she's just kind of the way she's... And this is just Imogen. And this is where another thing I think to appreciate Imogen is that everything she does in this game doesn't come from a place, I feel, where it's like she's a game bot. Like she she knows this game or she's coming out with a strategy. Like Imogen's the adapter. Like she, she just... She reads things well and kind of adapts with it and goes more so with a heart than a head necessarily. But she's just so... 
socially aware and so good and just intelligent that she can she can adapt to these situations. So when she's able to be here and basically like, oh, I'm going to, you know, plant these seeds, like it, it's brilliant strategic work, but I don't feel this is something that she's come into this game and gone, well, this is what I'm going to do. It's kind of like, it's like a Katie Gold, whereas, you know, you talk to Katie and Katie is, of course, someone who who has not really watched Survivor since she played it, right? The few times she's watched it is when she's done some podcast recaps here and there. And she, she's a type of person that can just switch it on straight away and adapt and read and just and feel her way into these situations. And this is what I get from Imogen. And another thing that I think is really important to point out with Imogen is that she's no doubt cast in this season as a bit of eye candy. She, she's a model. She's going to be put out of a comfort zone. People are watching this going like, oh, she's nothing but a dumb blonde model. Like, what does she know? Like, she's going to be so like, like she would be a type of person who has all these perceptions put on her automatically because of a how she looks and b her profession she is the complete opposite of anything that anyone would ever think about her and this is why i just i think she's deserves even more praise for for playing this because i i guarantee you if you gave this season to to anyone who didn't know this was a celebrity version somehow you can mask out the word celebrity from this and you just see Imogen bailey as a as a player like, you know, it would even cross your mind, even though she is drop-dead gorgeous. <laughs> um, she's just so many levels to Imogen Bailey to appreciate and love and it, just Queen Imogen, Hall of Famer uh, Queen Imogen. Yeah, and that's why it is a shame that, you know, obviously she wasn't on All Stars because it would have been great actually just to see her play this game, you know, as a, like a, as a proper contestant where, where when I say proper, I mean like not playing for charity, like where she's, she's going into this game to try to win $500,000 and, and the title, you know, she, she would have been a force to rec- to be reckoned with, you know, like a, she, she, she is a great survivor player, but, uh, and, and another thing too, this is all happening like on day four, this is like, this is good gameplay by her. Like she's not messing around. She has only taken her a few days and she, we saw it in the first episode. She's, she's not scared to, plant those seeds in people's minds, you know, to get yeah. people thinking about, well, if we lose the immunity challenge, who are we going to vote for? And you've got to give credit to Fiona as well. She's doing the same thing. You well, see her with yeah. Fiona's a game player as well. We said that she's one of the big game players of this season. And so, that's, yeah, I agree. And that's what I was saying before. Like, I think that's kind of, it's just, it's a social thing. She's so poor. She's like a Russell Hans, yes. right? Like, yeah. it's like, you know, Russell Hans is brilliant at everything except for the social side of things. And this is where Fiona's just like, brilliant like when she's like i love this conversation when she's essentially just like all four of us need to stick together we need to get rid of imogen yeah and like like it, it, she's absolutely right like that is a gr- that is a great play and she can see that imogen's a threat i i like i i believe a lot of it is that she's pissed off by imogen but i don't doubt that fiona horn is also thinking well fuck this girl's going to be a threat because everyone likes her but and then you've got to give credit to to nicole as well because she's with fiona in the jungle yeah. they're talking about confirming oh yep you, you're good for imogen you got to remember imogen and nicole end up forming mm-hmm. one of the, the great alliances yep. of this season. So, But Nicole's not silly either. She's going along with Fiona. just saying, yep, yep. I yep. know, oh, exactly. I agree, I agree. Whether she does or not, obviously she doesn't. But, pre- uh, you know, p- points to, to, to and Nicole this is, as well. And this is one of my biggest arguments when it comes to Survivor, um, modern, old, no matter what version. This is the core gameplay. This is how you play Survivor. You know, people who come into Survivor and think it's all about the big moves, it's about the blind sides, it's about the idols. That's part of the game. Absolutely. It's 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 part of the game. But at the, at its core, this is where you play Survivor. This is how you win the game. This is how you get the votes. I'm this is I would love people to go back and listen to old episodes of Survivor Oz and hear me not talk about this type of stuff because 
I, I have grown up as a man, Matt Dyson, to be able to come and have opinions like this. Um, but I, I, I will I will be honest. And like in our very first episode of this show, we had Mario Lanza do our introduction, the host of Survivor Historians, a very esteemed Survivor historian from the, from the US. And through listening to a lot of his work and, and reading a lot of his work, you know, he's, he's really kind of opened my eyes up a lot more and I've been able to, I feel, interpret things differently. So I, I thank him for opening my eyes up. But... The point is, it's not about me. I think that this is the survivor that at its core is where it is. And I think if you look at someone like a Nicole or an Imogen, you know, you can take that groundwork and, and basically fit that into any of the winners of Australian Survivor as to how they won the game. And you would, you know, yeah, you've got the flashy brilliance of a David Jeanette. You know, you've, you've got these elements of each of the winners that people remember them for. But if you strip it back to the bare bones why they all won is because at the end of the day, they form relationships. They were likable. They got the votes in the end. And that's all you need to do to win Survivor. Well, no, one of the I, I agree, Ben. Um, to win Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> <What's it mean? laughs> hey, now you are a historian, Ben. Obviously, you've done a lot of podcasting of Survivor. i got a question for you. Have you ever seen a tribe win like a big bed, you know, sort of for a reward challenge? And then immediately chop it up back at camp. Never. Nope. What? I don't get it. Why they? I know they said because it didn't fit them all, but it's because of Ben. He's so fucking big. (laughs) That is a big bed. I I, like. I wish we had have seen footage of them trying to fit in that bed because I'm looking at going. Yeah, I'm with you. Like it's like, why would you rip it apart? That's fucking big. That's better than your shelter. Like, build your shelter into it, it. And even if it doesn't fit the six members. You're eventually going to have a couple voted out anyway. So, like, yeah, you know, unless they thought they were going to be like Tapara and just basically just win everything the whole way and thought, shit, this could be a long 25 Well, they're a bit, you know, the the whole doghouse, penthouse thing, right, and kind of all of that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's kind of interesting the way they, they go for it to, to rip it to pieces pretty quickly. But, um, but I'm glad they did because this yeah. is where we get the boys and toys line yeah, it's, from it's your mate Elton. boys and toys i also one thing i love um gabby and her whole um i'm making toothbrushes <laughs> yeah, yeah <it's> just <laughs> good on you gabs <laughs> and wayne says gabrielle's one of the boys now so she's in the boys club bit of bit of a appreciation for wayne this episode too because um i like kind of that moment and i i know i'm jumping ahead here but I like it later on when kind of like Wayne basically flat out to Gabby says like, yeah, you're going home. Like, you know, and then like when he's talking to Wayne and it's basically like, oh, we could get rid of her. She's great eye candy, but you know, we should probably get rid of her. (laughs) I'm glad you brought this up. Like Wayne really basically tells it to her face that she's probably going home. Like probably not the best gameplay right there from, from Wayne Garner, but he obviously was so confident of his new friendship with Elton and um, big Ben and, and Guy Leach that, he does like it, you don't on day four you don't start telling someone oh you're going to be next to go you just don't do it and I think this is where um, there's a unique aspect of this season because we we really have two power couples in this season right you have Guy and Wayne and you have Imogen and Nicole and because it's a season of twelve people you know that that's a third of the cast right there in power couples and then if you kind of look at that like you kind of got Elton as a third member 
You'd even argue Gabby's there too, almost as part of that, uh, even though ultimately she kind of turns against them. But then if you look over with Imogen and Nicole, like that aspect at least just there with Moso is that you've got um, Justin kind of as the wild card there because the difference is I think that like in Kukula, you've got these like sort of macho guy men who are very much straight away bonded because they're blokes and they're going to build shit and smash shit, right? Like even... Even David can fit into that, and he's kind of the weedy politician, but he, he fits in there, right? Whereas the girls, you kind of got a bit of infighting, so, you know, kind of there's girls clash sometimes in that way. And kind of Justin's a kind of just... I, th- I think Justin is better at almost being like a, a girl than Gabby is at being a guy, if that makes sense, because I think... And that's more of like a, a, a socially, like a, an inept way. Like I feel Justin's easily able to kind of mentally work his way into the girls rather than Gabby. Gabby kind of just... You know, she she's the type of girl who's like gonna, you know, she looks great. She's just gonna hang out with the buff guys and just kind of, I'm making toothbrushes. Whoop de doo, and she gets away with it. Whereas Justin's smart enough to kind of, you know, not just be like, I'm hunky Justin. I'm gonna talk my way in. Yeah, but I hear what you're saying. But when you get a big bunch of muscly guys, not talking about David Oldfield, but the rest of them are all pretty big, big guys. When you have someone like like Gabrielle, she she knows how to speak to guys like that you know like yeah, he knows like how to make them yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah she knows how to make him laugh she knows like she, you know because let's be honest like guys like guy time but you also well, like you know you like you like having that that chat with absolutely. You know, like the opposite sex yeah, so, at, so yeah she knows exactly how to talk to him and, and stuff and, and that's where she's really good at this game and I, like yeah I'll, I'll backtrack and kind of what i'm saying there because I, I maybe was maybe implying that I'm thinking she's a bit of a bimbo and not like, but like, I, I don't mean it like that. I, I, I agree completely with what you said. I think that she's very smart because yes. this is where women inherently are better than men because women have a power over men that men can't have over women. It's, mm. it's, it's pure and simple. You're right. If you've got your, your jockey guys that are hanging out and you've got someone like Gabrielle Richens there, we're guys where, you know, like we're here in this episode, Wayne is saying like, a bit of eye candy, like literally that's how we are wired that we can't mm. help it. It's, it's that simple. And girls know it. And Gabrielle knows every single, how good she is at that. So that, yeah, absolutely. She's very intelligent to kind of play it that way. We, we've all, we've all had that one mate that, you know, gets a new girlfriend and then he just disappears and <laughs> yeah, you, you ring him and he's never available and you know, you, you've got to wait till they break up before he's he's available for a bit of uh, guy time again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, also, yeah. There's what what else is happening here? Um, the the one bit that I found a little bit questionable. I don't know if it's just me. The convenient find of all the food. Did you find yeah. that a little bit like? Well, that's convenient. That they found all these vegetables and poor paws. That poor paw, I'm sorry. That almost looked like it like was handed to her the way it came off well, that tree. But also too, it, it, it didn't look like they were just growing out in the wild. It actually yeah. looked like a field, like obviously, you know, the people whoever own own that land, like they're actually growing fruit there. They've been but taken to like a, they've gotten the car, like, oh come on guys, let's we'll film something yeah, over here. Oh, it, look at this, it, we found food. It actually looked like it was in a in a in a you know, patch of grass a patch of yard where they're actually growing fruit and they've just taken them there like just go hard for a couple of minutes pick some stuff and come back and this is where it's either going to back up my fact that ben wind knows nothing and he's been planted things 
or these people have just been playing out there. They're pulling up like, oh, look at this vegetable. Look what we found. Isn't that exactly the same thing that Ben Wynn a week ago was going like, yeah, this is, this is vegetable. You can cook this. Like, and the, the, they didn't win an SAS guy, but all of a sudden Nicole and Fiona can find it. So, or maybe Fiona was right. They've got an SAS guy. We don't need an SAS guy. Maybe Fiona's an SAS girl. So, you know, she's a white witch after all. So, I don't know how it works. Now, we haven't really talked out talked much about, like we, we, we did in season one about the cinema, cinematography. And this is something that I actually just, it's just a little moment here, but I just love like th- there's that moment on day five, Fiona and Amber, and they're looking out and they're seeing the dolphins in the water. Like, mm. I just, that's, that's another thing I just, we just don't see that in modern survivor anymore. Like, cause the way where they have the camps and all that, it's just a little thing, but I wanted to bring it up because it's just, it is that old school survivor where you're actually seeing some elements, um, you know, of the surrounding area where they're actually playing this bloody game. All the picturesque stuff now involves like Robbie shirtless in the water, right? With like glistening body and all the girls staring at him. You're right. Absolutely right. And it's got one of the most underrated lines in this episode that I just, I don't know why I just find it hilariously funny is when I think it's Amber says to, is it Fiona? What do dolphins eat? And then she's like, fish. <laughs> oh, so if there's fish out there, then there's got to be fish for it. Like, it's just the way it's said, the way Fiona's like, I know. fish. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I actually wrote that down that line too. I was going to ask you what the dolphins eat and, then. And but, uh, you this beat is me where Fiona it. also like goes off in her little rant. And does she say like, if you want to make it to the playoffs? Uh, well, like, this is where she's talking about like, oh, I don't want to be horrible and hardcore. I'm just being honest. Like that's me. Kick me out at some point for being honest. I'm all good. But she's talking about like, you know, Imogen, she's still talking down Imogen. She's talking about, of course, the plan of the four strong. We've, we've yeah. heard about the four strong. And, you know, but she's like, basically she's saying, look, oh, you know, I'm just being honest. My plan is to, to get us to the merge four strong. That's all. After that, if you want to get me out, if you think you think I'm in too hardcore, I like how she, she often talking talking about being hardcore, but she said, like, vote me out then. But she's determined, like, we need to get this four strong to the merge. This is yeah. Look, I like I again appreciate her passion, but this is just one of those annoying things to me. This is this is maybe where I'm actually looking at in the modern lens of Survivor, where it's kind of like, look, you don't do that today. You're gone in a heartbeat. This is the one thing. This is where I love Justin Melbourne. This oh is yeah, he he is perfect. <laughs> He's the perfect guy to be on an all female tribe. You know, if yeah. you're gonna out of the whole cast, if you're gonna say, okay, we need one male just to be with the females. David Mason got it spot on to put him with with the females. He says a great confession, one of my favourites of this whole episode. He's like, Fiona's on a mission and my mother always taught me never get in the way of a woman on a mission. He is just standing back. He's just like, you know what? You girls go at it. I'm just going to sit back here and get myself through this game. You know what I, I really appreciate about doing this podcast with you, Matt, is that you know, and I this is exactly what you're trying to do with Ben Wynn and I, I really respect you for it, is that I feel that we find new appreciation for these people, good or bad. And, you know, we are, what, 40-odd episodes into this show and, uh, you know, 20-odd episodes of Australian Survivor in. And I think that even the players that we maybe came in with perceptions or we thought were annoying or this sort of stuff, like, I don't feel that we've ever come out of any contestant fully negative. And, like, you know, I think that's what I appreciate. And... 
you know, we're only two episodes into this and already like, you know, we're loving Elton more. We're loving Justin more. Like we're, we're in, like we're, we're saying different things, opinions about Fiona, but we can both appreciate her as a great character. You know, we might be indifferent and Ben, but we've come to the conclusion that he's a fucking enigma and he will go down as one of the most unique, you know, people ever to play this game. And this is where like, just to go back when we're talking about modern survival, I look very much forward to getting to channel 10 so I can have the same opinion. I, I, I want to come out of, you know, season five, your season and go, okay, Shawnee, like I can appreciate this about her now, Vanilla. Like I really, really do. I've, I've always want to be open to interpretation to like these players or, you know, feel differently about them. So I just, I just wanted to take that moment just talking about Justin, because that's just one of those moments where all of a sudden you go, fuck Justin's great. <laughs> do you reckon you'll change your opinion of me, Ben, when you watch rewatch no. my episode, no, no, okay. I think your your your, uh, your radar skills maybe will throw. I've actually, I'm very, you know, I've been very tempted in the last like there was a day the other day. I was just like, oh, what do I want to watch? I was just like one of those moods when you're like, oh, you don't know what you want to watch. I was so tempted because like I have not obviously watched your episode since I've done this show with you. Since we've had chats, since I've you know heard stories that. I kind of just feel I'm going to sit down and just watch it just because, I mean, you're only in it for five minutes. It doesn't want to take long. So just kind of, you know, watch it and just get a different interpretation of it because it's almost like I've never watched a season of Survivor where I've, like, personally known someone go into it, right? Like, if all of yeah. a sudden tomorrow we found out that Cable was going to be in the next season of Australian Survivor, you'd be watching that like, fuck, Cable's on. This is great. So, like, that's kind of what I – I might do that, Matt, and I'll <laughs> – I think it helps when you hear the backstories behind things yeah. as well, and then you sort of know, and then you you'll be looking out for certain things like ah oh, yeah I noticed that, and, but yeah, yeah but you go I I was just gonna I well look I'll just say it. I'm on a tangent um the one thing I just want to point out though is I feel like by us being this positive we're becoming like the Survivor Oz and what a shit show that was of uh you know oh suck up to everyone you just want to suck up to them to get an interview um no. I'm not doing it to suck up to get interviews. Uh, if I don't like someone in the future and we get them on the show, I'm not going to say I don't like them, but I'm going to question them and have them <laughs> shut me down and probably hang up. Maybe. Oh, look, I don't, there's not too many out there that I don't think we won't like. But um, talking about okay, getting back into this game, Ben. So unfortunately, we we get to the immunity challenge. There's there's no there's nothing I can yeah, read. Yeah, disappointed yeah. for you, Matt. You didn't so, get a chance to shine. I know. So they obviously had the real good one for the reward challenge, and they thought let's not let's not or try. Or Ben our luck read much. it, and they just couldn't find someone else to read it. So good point. They probably Ben read it, ruined it. And anyway, I can I just say the start of this. This is Dicko with like so. Okay, let me just put this. I know you're smiling here. I know you you, you know Love what I'm about it. to say. So. Let's let's rewind back to the reward challenge. You, you you were spot on when you said Dicko almost pressured them into sharing that reward. Fast forward now to the immunity challenge. One of the first things he says is like, "Well, Moso, you got a handout yesterday, yeah, <laughs> gratefully received." Like he's just, he's basically giving him a backhander, like, "Ah, oh, you guys are getting handouts." Yeah, and classic then, Dicko. And then what is the, there's a bit um, where. Oh, I feel like, does Dicko say something else or does Fiona straight away go like, oh, we didn't need charity or something like that? Well, he says something and everyone's face like, yes, yes, yes. And like, you just hear Fiona go something like, oh, she, she has a little dig at it. And then all of a sudden you hear Gabby like really snap as if to say like, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically it, 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 I've got it down here. So it's, so he says, you know, oh, you got a handout yesterday. Then he asks him like a question. He's like gratefully received. And then the whole tribe like, yep, yeah, very much so. And then Fiona, this is where Fiona, like, she's like, we didn't need it. We didn't need it that much. 
we found food ourselves later. Like, so she's straight away on the back foot trying to justify it. Like, well, all the rest of them are like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. Yep. It was really gratefully received. Yep. We really loved it. Really loved it. And like, she's not having a bar. Fiona's like, no, we didn't need it. And, and we found food ourselves later. So we didn't need it. And then, um, yeah. And then, and then Dicko, he's like, ah, so did you feel like you were like, accepting charity? Huh? And then, um, and then she's like, and then Fiona's like, she's sticking to it. She's like, yeah, we, we didn't need it. We didn't need it. And then you hear Imogen and she's like, we did need it. <laughs> yeah, Imogen's actually got a couple of like drop mic episodes. Like that's one of them. And the earlier on, I think you brought it up when um, the, they when they read the reward uh, tree mail and she was just, the way she kind of said like, oh, I don't want a bed. I want food. Like it was just kind of like, it was like drop mic, almost diva Imogen, but not in a way where you were kind of like, whoa, like, you know, it was just, but that line there when she's like, yeah, we did need it. We did. <laughs> like, but, but is this, this is classic Dicko. He is just literally sitting in the middle of him, stirring yeah. the pot. Oh yeah. He's stirring. He, he, he's talking, oh, hand, got a handout yesterday. And then he's like, mm, accepting charity, huh? Like, yeah. Dick Dicko. he not, because he knows Fiona's bloody pissed off about him taking it. And, of course, Imogen stick it. She's not backing down. She's sticking. She's like, no, well, we did need it. it. And that's brilliant from a host. Like, this is where we need to talk up Dicko because, you know, people often say that maybe he wasn't the right choice. But, you know, he's aware of what's going on and he is. He's stirring the pot. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And as if you compare all the hosts, like Dicko is the one who's not afraid to kind of give it back, give a bit of lip kind of, you know, and like people maybe don't like that, but you know, I think that like Lincoln was Lincoln, you know, it was a bit of a dick at tribal, but like Lincoln was never deliberately a dick. You know what I mean? Like it just, mm-hmm. we, we make a bit of fun of it. Lincoln's that way. JLP is JLP. Like he's just, he's a, he's a nice charismatic, good looking rooster. Who you know he, he I mean, JLP likes a bit of banter, right? Doesn't he? Like with the players, you know, kind of a bit of back and forth, you know, a bit of fun with some of them. There was that one with Vanilla, wasn't it? Where basically she's like lipping back at JLP and it's like, "What? You did terrible shot. I'm gonna call you out for it." Like you know things like that. Like, but like Dicko is genuinely like you know dropping some clangers and just like there. And then like I I, I want you to explain this because like you're 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 banging for it, Matt. But like this fucking exchange with David Oldfield, like his season long. Like rivalry with David Oldfield is brilliant, and like we get a couple of clangers in this episode, and we're about to get one here. I hope you've written this down because I, I feel like you want to read this. No, well, it's funny actually because I I know you're such a massive David Oldfield fan. I actually left that out because I thought you were gonna, you know, you would you would you would talk. I, 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 well, I, I didn't yeah. I didn't write down like David just basically says like four or five words here. Like I can't remember what Dicko says, and David just replies really quickly, and then what he says. A man, a few words, but when he speaks, the ground shakes. <laughs> oh. And doesn't he call him a god amongst men? As yeah, no, well? so he does. He's, yeah. Because, okay, so this is where the Bizlama comes in. So you heard me at the start of the episode doing my yep. best introduction in Bizlama. It's uh, it's one of about 105 languages in Vanuatu, and, and it's a form of a, a pidgin English. All right, so it's basically, you know, it's it's got English words in there, but it's sort of it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's pigeon English, Google it. Uh, so this is where I think, uh, I think that uh, Dicko has his little, little moment here. Is this a thug life? You think this thug is a thug life moment? Life? Okay. I can't recall. We, we know, has any other host like spoken in a different language 
while hosting Survivor? I can't. Well, I mean, uh, I'm sure the Israeli host doesn't speak English. Uh, (laughs) English. English. I would say say Matt on Survivor New Zealand because that's just a weird language. (laughs) Maybe it's maybe the South African host. Maybe they does a bit in Afrikaans or something. But so. I'll probably butcher this, but so uh, he, he introduces himself. Uh, sorry, Dicko introduces this line. He's like, number one, Piccaninny, Blong, I'm Queen. And then he asks, does anyone know what that means? And, of course, the great David oh, Oldfield. How does he know that? I don't know. He sort of touches his head and he's like, ah, <laughs> Prince Charles. Is that like for the crown or something? I'm maybe, thinking. maybe, yeah. yeah. He's like, pats his head, he's like, ah, Prince Charles. And then that's when Dicko, he says to the great line, ah, I told you he's a god amongst men. Yeah, look, I, 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 I wrote that down. Like it, to me, it's between that or the the Black Hawk down line that he'll have with um with with Ben. But I feel this is more like because the Black Hawk line is kind of like passing, and it's just almost like a you were in Black Hawk down, weren't you? Like, ah. Whereas this one, it's like, it's yeah, you're right. And I, but it's just how good is this? Like, this is the first time we see it. The David V Dicko. Like, it's it's a season long arc. I feel where it's and again, I don't know if we ever get that with a host on Australian Survivor at least, where it's such an open, you know, way back and forth between two. And, like, David just, like, he just sucks it up. He doesn't do anything about it. But What what makes it so good? It's almost like a bit of a love-hate. So, like, because sometimes he's praising him. He's calling him a god amongst men. Like, no one's ever called me that, Ben. Probably, I don't know if anyone's ever called you that. But I'll get Dicko to call it to you. Don't worry. It's like the Shona thing. We'll get get him to call that for you at this season. You're the young warrior. I want to be the god amongst men. So, that's my goal. That's my goal. But... You know, like in some episodes he's praising him like this and then other episodes he's like having a real dig at him. So it, it makes for great TV. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's. I think it's the thug life moment because, you know, All I right. mean, he's talking to Islam for God's sake. Come on, how good's that? And if people <laughs> maybe don't know, like entirely with the thug life one, uh, yeah, I don't know if we fully explained it in the last episode, but, of course, we had the clip at the end of the uh, episode last week or the two weeks ago, and then, of course, we put the clip up on our social media with the uh, the Snoop Dogg. na 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 it's the motherfucking... Yeah. yeah. If people <laughs> don't know the meme, look it up. It's pretty easy I, to find. And, and I just want to say too, Ben, so, you know, obviously that passing comment that he says to Ben Wynn about him being in Black Hawk Down, I thought, I know it was like just a comment, but I thought, you know what? I better just check. I've watched that movie bloody ten times at least, but it's one of my favorite movies. But I actually Google it just to check: was he was he like a was he in there somewhere, or was he an extra, or was he and he's Eric not? Banner. So, well, I'm just trying to because I'm doing anything by this stage to try to track him down. But uh, let's just get Eric Banner on the show. It's probably easier than getting Ben Wynn on the show, right? <laughs> it probably would be. And playing the role of Ben Wynn is Eric Banner. Uh, Eric, how you doing? I want you to be completely monitored. How you doing? I'm Eric Banner. <laughs> maybe, maybe Ben Wynn actually was going to be Eric Banner's character, and then like they maybe. got halfway through the, the the shoot, and it's like, you know what? We can't do this anymore. This is is bit lacking personality. Let's get Eric Banner well, in. What happened to Eric Banner? I feel like he was a thing, and he's kind of disappeared. All is he like Ben no. Dark, like famous Talk- in the mid two thousands? No, and gone? so talk about. I, I'm a big Eric Banner fan. Yeah, Love Eric too. Banner's work. He have you now? He was in the first season of Dirty John, which was uh, came out maybe eighteen months ago. So they've just done a new season of um, Dirty John with Christian Slater. Great season okay. as well. That's but, another name that hasn't been mentioned in a while, Christian Slater. Yeah, wow. but no, honestly, listeners, if you haven't watched the first season of of Dirty John, it's Eric Banner at his best. Honestly, great, great season. 
I um oh, I'll have to look it up. I I a bit partial to Eric as well. I uh, love the beast, of course. Uh, brought it to Tassie for for Target Tasmania. I remember when I remember when that the year he came to uh, Tasmania for that. That was one of those sort of moments. Like, oh, there's a big celebrity in the state. Like, are you gonna see him? And uh, never saw him. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm partial to Eric Man, even though he did Troy, and that's a piece of shit movie. God, that's awful. Please <laughs> tell me you don't too, like Troy. Oh, it wasn't it wasn't too bad in it. No, I'm the wrong demographic to watch that. I like this challenge. I, I like a good guessing, like, memory challenge when they do sort of something like this. And the fact that I I like this more because they add a bit of a twist to it with this, you know, the, the Bas- Bislama stuff. And it's it's funny to hear these people say the way they do, like, particularly when we get, like, titty and it's like a bra and, yeah. you know, it's like it's... it's and, and, and Fiona, every time the word titty comes up, she keeps touching touching her boobs. Yeah. Quite fun. Now it's it's important to mention uh, Elton sits out of this one, so this is yes. interesting. Like Elton, I know it's not a physical challenge, but still, Elton sits out of this challenge, obviously, um, because Gabrielle had already sat out of the other one, so it meant at least it had to be one of the males. Before we get into this challenge, do you? I, I like this challenge. Do you think it would have worked better if both teams were going out at the same time, and you kind of you kind of had to run, like because. You can take as much time as you want. Where if both teams are going out at the same time, you've also, you know, your mind's ticking over. You can't sit there and and, and have your team tell you, oh, like, oh, it's it's over in that box basket. Or it's in that one. Like everyone's got to, you've got to do it as quick as you can. That way, it's like because it because you got to remember, it's the first team to match five. Like there's twelve different items, so there's twelve Bislama phrases and and twelve common items, and be only have to. It's the first team to match five of them. So I don't know. I just think it may have worked better if, if both teams were going at the same time and you kind of had to run. I, I definitely see it, and I, I agree. I think it would have been more interesting. I think the problem from a television perspective is you're going to have people yelling over each other and yeah. kind of it's, it's not going to really work, um, particularly because you're sort of using um, a language that you kind of got to guess what it is. Yeah, true. Um, so that's probably where I think it wouldn't work. But... Um, yeah, they're kind of forced to run though. Anyway, I was, I was watching this going like, "Why are they running?" <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's, it's... I think Amber's running around. I'm like, uh, you don't need to run it because I think you see guy leaps. He just walks. I'm like, ah, he's not. He doesn't run unless he has to, which is great. Now, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say some of these. Um, so Go obviously, obviously, um, Moso win. So they get yep. their, their first their win. First, we'll, first win. So. Some of the items that are found. I'm gonna try my Bislama again. So Amber, she gets the first match. Clos Blong swim. So she finds board shorts. Now the word Blong, I've done a bit of research. It means basically like it's, it belongs to you. Like it, it, it's yours. Like it belongs to you. So yeah. Clos Blong swim is one of the, the phrases. Um, glass Blong look, look, that's a mirror. Stick Blong fire. That's matches. Um, this is our favorite. This is Fiona's favorite basket Blong Titi. <laughs> Even when he first mentions it, you see a couple of times, Fiona, Fiona's gold. I love, love Fiona. Um, saucepan is this saucepan. Saucepan. Yeah. And grass blong pigeon is feather. So most, and most they win. They, they end up winning, what, about five to two. So they, they smashed Kakula in this one. Which I'm just looking here is that they might be the first, the only tribe in Australian Survivor history to lose their opening three challenges. Um, Aganoa. 
lost. Who lost? But they didn't lose. They didn't lose the opening three because Moso won. Uh, I mean, um, uh, uh, Kakula won three in a row. They won a reward, immunity, and a yeah. reward. Oh, I'm talking okay, about so combined, gone. like not just pure immunity. Yeah, okay. I mean, in terms of all challenges. Um, so yeah, I think they well, Aganoa they lost their first three challenges and then won their third, uh, their fourth challenge, which was an immunity. So oh no, that was a dual immunity. That was the third challenge. So no. That was a combined reward immunity, and they obviously you had Vavau and Aganoa win that. So uh, I think Moso uh, hold the record for most consecutive challenges lost from the win. It's only three; it's not a lot, but um, there's an interesting stat. If I'm, I'm like again, please somebody if I'm listening, uh, somebody listening, correct me if I'm wrong. We're just scrolling through here on Wikipedia, looking at uh, each of the seasons. They look to be the only tribe to have lost their opening three. So uh, yeah. there's an interesting fact. So good, good yeah. to see him win though. Um, and this this isn't really a season that you kind of lump in as a, an unsuccessful tribe, is it? Like it's kind of I feel you don't really ever pigeonhole in a, a no, tribe on this no. season as sucking. So that's kind of interesting to think that that's kind of a, a, a bit of a weird record there. But um, I, I I kind of like when they win and like I love Justin running back with his arms and the, um and just. Yeah, I just, I, it's just another entertaining channel. It's a bit different, and I like it, and it stands out. And um, what's the, what was Dicko's line when um, Fiona does the TT thing, and then Dicko says, like, oh, she's such a tease or something like that. <laughs> and also, I also love uh, Grammar Nazi Dicko when uh, Fiona's like, grass, blong, piggin. And Dicko's like, actually, it's pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention that. Yeah, he that, just, that's I very like, almost thug lifey. Like, yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's true. That's a that's a possible one. But I, I think poor, the one you mentioned poor before, poor Gabriel wins. getting getting corrected. On yeah, the oh, that was Gabriel and Fiona. Sorry, yeah, uh, you you just decoded me. You corrected me. But um, yeah. what? Just quickly after the um, the we don't really see a lot from uh, Moso here, do we? But I I do like when we do see Imogen, and she says, "I almost wish we lost so we could yeah. vote Fiona." out like oh, oof, they, i great. can't wait to talk to i can't wait to talk to imogen especially about like the early part of a game with the whole fiona thing like she actually was hoping she was going to lose just so she she must have thought she was definitely had the numbers to vote fiona out so well um easily yeah well yeah yeah so it, it'd be interesting to hear like how annoying like fiona was towards imogen in a in those you know early days but um yeah she wanted to go on that's for sure one thing i'll say that the kind of that annoys me about this episode and maybe why, like, I kind of just think it's a real middle of the road. Cause I mean, there's some fun stuff. And again, it's nothing groundbreaking, but this, this kind of goes into that territory of um, last season where it's kind of the way they're talking about voting people out. And it's just kind of, you don't really get much from it. And it's, I don't know, like it's kind of, they're trying to play it up. Like, Oh, is it going to be Ben or is it going to be um, Gabby? And kind of, you know, we've got Wayne and, and Guy having these discussions um, Wayne's kind of the one driving the bus here, making the call. But this is, and like, again, this is where I put down to Ben, maybe just being bland television because we just get nothing from Ben. Like we kind of get the line from Gabby of, you know, oh, they're not really giving me anything. So maybe it's me. Ah, like, you know, very Gabby. But like, why can't we get Ben saying something here? Like we, we literally get a shot of Ben stirring the pot. I'm thinking like, well, that's clever editing. Like he's, he's a rival has stirred the pot on Kukula. So like, that's clever. But like, why don't we get a lot? Like even simple fix, that confessional we had from Ben earlier in the episode of, oh, I'm not sure. put that here. 
Like th- mm. that should be here before they go to yeah. tribal because it's kind of, I yeah. feel it's very obvious that Ben's going. I feel like it just gets to a point where it's like, well, is Gabby really going? Like, I don't think she is. Well, they put in that clever clip where you see him all bathing in the water, but Ben's bathing by himself. So obviously that, that would have been taken at a different point, but they're kind of showing that like, it's sort of telling the audience, well, he's kind of on the outs, you know, by, by him bathing sort of by himself. But then you've got like Wayne guy, Elton Gabriel all sitting in the water and uh, they're talking about like, who's going home and, and, and then and then there's that great when Wayne and Guy, because like Wayne and Guy are pretty close by this stage, they're on the beach. And and Wayne's she's uh he's seriously considering voting out Gabrielle. But you can tell Wayne doesn't want that. Like uh, sorry, Guy doesn't want that. Like he he's he never really really well, takes it as a as, as an option. Underrated guy moments here. Because Guy, yeah. like first of all, when he comes back to camp and he's basically saying, like, oh, I knew this is gonna happen eventually, but it's not a good feeling. But I think that, that that confessional from Guy when he's going on about, well, if we vote out Ben, it weakens the team. But if we vote out Gabby, you know, it strengthens the team. But, like, this is a tribe that won two challenges without Ben. This this is a stacked tribe. Like, they were yeah. kicking ass in a physical tribe. Like, they're still going to kick ass in physical challenges. Like, Ben, like, okay, he's an SAS guy. He's a tank, whatever. But, like... At the end of the day, I think this is where guys smart because it's it's team unity. It's keeping keeping it together. Like you get rid of Gabby, you know, all of a sudden maybe Elton's not fully on board with that. So you're kind of making yeah. Elton second guess the the alliance. You've got Ben who is no personality. He's not going to replace it. He, I mean, like in all seriousness, even the line throwaway line of all, oh, she's good eye candy. Like it it keeps your your spirits up a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like. It's. I think Guy is just very intelligent here. And, like, as much as it looks like Wayne's sort of driving the bus here with this decision, I think it's Guy who gets the final say. And Because, yeah, yeah. like, Wayne's absolutely right. Wayne kind of says, like, look, I've got to bring it up. Like, what about Gabby? Like, you know, of course you, you kind of got to raise it. And as you said, they're forming a very close bond here, clearly, over this situation. But, um, yeah, I, I, I props to Guy. Um, I think it's and ultimately it's the right decision. I mean... There's not a whole lot here to talk about in tribal. If, if there's anything else you really want to mention before uh, we get there, but no, just I, I like the moment with when Gabriel asks Elton if they're voting yeah. for, um, you know, for her, and he, I don't know whether he just doesn't know, but he just acts like real dumb about it. He's like, oh, no, they told me. Yeah, they haven't told me. So they <laughs> are. something. Yeah, but like, I don't know if that's Elton's like if that's him just playing the game well and just staying out of the whole politics of who's going to get voted out, and he just doesn't want to say anything, or if he genuinely doesn't know, like he yeah. just doesn't have an idea. Because let's be guy guy Leach is the the captain of this team, like he's the leader. You, you see it even in challenges when they're talking about who's going to be left out, and they, they even Dicker kind of like. Guy does all the talking. Like Guy's the one that makes the ultimate decision. Okay, yep. Like Elton's going to sit out, or Gabrielle's going to sit. Like he's making decisions. Like Guy Leach is the captain of Kukula. And this is where I think you can put a comparison to Guy Leach to Rob Dixon. Like he's that type of guy yeah, where yep. whether you see him or a Craig, like whether you see them as a leader, whether they see themselves as a leader or not, they're that type of personality where they are you're drawn to them as a leader. Like Craig talked in his interview about how he didn't see himself as a leader, but everyone clearly did. And that's just Craig, Rob Dixon. Everyone saw him that way. And Rob was smart enough to kind of take advantage of that guy. Leach is exactly. And this is, this is where I think it's important with any season that we cover to, to take these moments, to look at who wins the season. 
and to really pinpoint little moments where it's clear why they got to where they didn't ultimately win. And again, Guy's an anomaly. He got he gets voted out. So like many can argue, well, is that really a thing that he can say when he's going to be voted out in like three or four episodes of time? But again, the argument against it is it's not Guy's fault that there was a twist that brought him back into the game and he took advantage of that. It's, it's you know, it's the Chris Underwood argument from Island of the Idols, right? So, you know, they're playing to the game that is given to them. But I think it's always important to really point out these little moments from the winners. And we'll do that. We'll do that in every single season moving forward. And yes, ultimately, we will have maybe a winner's rank or something like that or, you know, something we might do in the future. But that's always a personal perspective. And personally, I'm not going to rank Guy as one of the best winners of Australian Survivor, but he still won the game. He's still on, you know, you can't take away the fact that he won this season. So that automatically makes him the best player of the season by default because he won, you know, based on that statistic. Whether or not you agree with that or not is a different, you know, interpretation. But you look at what he's doing here and, you know, whether or not he has 10 days out of the game or not, he still won the season at the end. He got the votes at the end and it's moments like this why people are going to vote for him, right? Because he's likable he's approachable and he's done he does it in a way that you know people like him but listen to him and respect him and he's also playing the game at the same time so um yeah props to guy leach i i feel like he's somebody that never gets a whole lot of props for his win and uh you know we'll, we'll point out these bits when we can one little moment that we've got to and wayne i love a good uh bum grope like uh <laughs> you know manly bum grope in conversation and sport and as him and wayne depart Bit of a firm fist on the rear of uh, Wayne Gardner, Guy Leach, and it goes in for a bit of a good, good on you, son, good on you, champ, <laughs> off you pop. Bit of the classic manly bum grope on Wayne Gardner, and Wayne Gardner comes from a sport where there's not a lot of bum groping, really. You're on a bike, you know, you can't drive past a guy and give him a bum grope, can you? So, I, I think Wayne Gardner enjoyed that bum grope too. That was a good little spot there. I, uh... I didn't actually pick up on that. So if we were doing this podcast in person, like at the each of at the end of each yeah podcast, would, would you give me a bit of a absolutely bum grab absolutely. to say hey, you like good podcast? See you, Matt. Good good podcast. Bum grab. Bang. Yep. I got told off here in Canada. I uh, do some uh, hockey commentary over here, and I don't know if Canadians are ready for the terminology bum grab. I was at one of the games. A player scored a goal, and they went to the bench, and as he skated off, somebody gave him a you know a bit of a bum grab. I said that on the commentary, and they're like, "Oh, I think you've gone over your bum grope uh, quota for the season, Ben." I'm like, "What's wrong with bum grope, you Canadians? You know, come on, <laughs> nothing wrong with bum grope. It's it's a good thing. It's an Australian well, thing." Well, I think I think you've gone over your quota for this episode because <laughs> you've said it about ten times. But Ben, what do you think of Tribal Council? Yeah, not not the greatest, but like we do get a great little moment, I think, with the uh, again a David Oldfield moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, this is what I love about Dicko here too. And, and like I've I've done this in my uh, time interviewing politicians. I, I like to be playful, and you like to test a politician. It's fun. Like give me a straight answer. Like don't give me the spin. So Dicko here is basically like give me a straight answer. You know, and what does he say? Like who do you think is the weakest on the tribe? And the way David Oldfield, well, that's impossible to answer. And straight away Dicko's like politician. Yeah, he he cuts him off. He cuts that's not politician. Yep. And then, yeah. Um, but that's true. That's exactly what yeah. politicians do. Like that. that's exactly when we get David on the show, that is our challenge, Matt. We will get him to answer a yes or no question with a yes or a no. And I would almost put good money on it that he will not give us a yes or no answer. But, but, the, but guys similar because they ask, Dicko asked Guy, who's the leader? And Guy, he, he knows he's the leader, but he says, oh, yeah, everyone has their role. Like he, he's not openly admitting, yeah, well, 
I, I know that they see me as a leader. He's not saying he's, oh, well, no, we all have our role. And, you know, like he's, he, he tries to brush that aside. So everyone's not looking at it, even though let's, everyone knows guys the leader. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, there's, and I think Dicko kind of says it back in the immunity challenge, doesn't he? About like, like the, let the polit- the politicking begin. And I mean, again, like Dicko's playing up to the fact that we literally have a politician. Pol- like, Survivor is a political game, whether people yeah. want to agree with it or not, right? So I reckon this next line from Dicko is one of the best lines leading into a vote ever in survivor history so he's just had that little you know politician and then he says all right david go exercise your democratic right i i think that was it's a brilliant line brilliant yep no i agree with you i completely agree with you one thing actually that's clicked um when i was talking about you know surviving politics politicians correct me if i'm wrong we've never had a politician play us at least a politician before they were on survivor Mm -hmm. There might have been some city councillors, maybe. I'm not. Somebody correct me, please, listening to this. But, like, it's kind of like, to me, it's like the used car salesman. Like, after Heidek, we've never had a used car salesman. Mm-hmm. Come from industries that you're actually really good at that smooth talking, like, very adapt, adaptive to Survivor. Look how well David Oldfield does in this season. Look yeah. how well Brian Heidek is. Like, it's, it's kind of maybe there's a deliberate reason why they don't get these people on the show, right? You know, it's kind of uh, got to be something there. Um, yeah, that's that's my highlight. I also like Gabby. I'm a boy now. Like, I, I like yeah. that. That's kind of funny. Do you have anything to really add on this? No, um, I was just going to say, when, when they do the votes, we only see the one actual vote, which is Gabrielle. She says, oh, I have to stick to the original tribe, so she votes Ben. When when Dicko reads the votes out, I love that, once again, someone actually writes um, Big Ben on yep. the parchment. And so Benny. I thought that was... Ugh. Yeah, Benny. I like that. Someone. Do you reckon that would be Guy? That mate. He's like a bit of a. Yeah, I think he called him Benny. There was uh, Wayne or Guy did call him Benny at some point. Benny. Back I reckon maybe one of them was Benny and one of them wrote Big Ben. I reckon. Interesting Guy that. Um, interesting though that Ben votes for Wayne. Uh, yeah. There's never really an explanation. I mean, not the explanation of Ben in general, but I mean, it's kind of you know. Yeah, not, actually, not really. I never even never even thought that because they don't, they don't show that, do they? No, not at all. So um, yeah, I, this is the thing too that it like intrigues me about Ben, and you know, he, he kind of looks like pissed off and disappointed when his votes are being read out, right? But then his final words are just like, yeah, yeah, a lot of fun, best of luck, guys. Like, like I'll, I'll say this now in our eulogy of him. I'm still going to stick to him as the the worst player in the history of Survivor, but I want to give the layered answer here because, you know, if you're if if I'm ranking my worst players based on like gameplay and strategy and all of that, he's not the worst. But like, if I do an overall picture of a player, which I also combine with things like personality and how they approach the game and their memorability, their likability, like. He he's the bottom because he didn't do anything. The things that he supposedly did, I don't believe he did. Uh, he didn't contribute how he was meant to, and he was basically brought in for a reason that he didn't really live up to, and he was promptly voted out. Now, you brought up that very great point a couple of weeks back about Kim Johnson, and I think it was a brilliant point, and you know, maybe they are the two that you can compare them the most in terms of that, but... In speaking to Kim Johnson, we learnt a little bit more about that, didn't we? That, you know, she didn't didn't full out want to quit. 
you know, a lot of her vote out in the end ended up being a bit more strategic because she wanted to keep, like, when I say strategic, like, she's essentially leaving the game. It's a it's a type of quit. We talked about that this episode. But she's doing it for the tribe's benefit and also to help out other people. Um, like, you saw something from Kim. She was memorable. Like, she, she, she had something there. She put her all in challenges. She gave her all. I'm not saying Ben didn't, but, like, didn't see it, did we? So, and again, a lot of this all has to come down to Matt Dyson an edit. I've seen him on screen for barely 50 minutes of screen time of Australian Survivor. We get Ben on the show. He could come out and be like, nah, mate, I was doing this and I tried to do this and fucking this and that and that. Change my perspective. But based on what I've seen, based on what I know, I am standing firm right now to me. And I'm sorry, Mr. Wynn. I want you on the show. I really, really do. I'm standing by my ranking of him as the worst Australian Survivor player of all time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll go over his final words and then we'll talk a bit more about Both Ben. Of them. So, he, yeah. So he said he's, he enjoyed his time with K- the Kukula tribe, that every tribe member was a great person, fun to be around, and uh, that he enjoyed um, parting his knowledge. So that's that's important that he parted his knowledge and that everyone was keen to learn and acquire those skills. So that was what his last words were. Now. Do you believe that Ben Wynn really had a chance to go further in this game? No. I think we need to discuss that. I don't think he, I don't think he, once Kakula lost, I don't think he ever had a chance to get through to another episode. I, I think that, I think that he wasn't a celebrity. He wasn't playing for charity. He was there to make up the numbers. And I think I could be wrong, but I'm almost going to put every cent I have on it the fact that. David Mason probably made sure that the rest of the members in Kakula voted him out as soon as possible. I don't think Ben Wynn ever had a chance to go further in this game. And to back that point up, let, let's, I mean, you can compare it to Guy and Justin coming back into the game later on, right? Kind of like, you know, because we, we hear that uh, another reason why Ben wants to get voted out is that we want to stick to our five. Like we, we don't want to, you know, we made a promise. This is who we're staying with, right? So on paper, he's the obvious. I mean, any like think about any version of survival when you got like somebody gets brought over to the other tribe or a tribe swap, people are outnumbered. Who are you targeting first? Of course, you know the the people who are out of that thing. So on paper, it's the easiest choice. Later on in this season, when Guy and Justin come back, the easiest choice is to get rid of them. But Guy and Justin are smart enough. Mainly Guy. It's mainly Guy to work their way into that three to break the three up and read it. Now again, this this is just. Maybe the casting of Ben because he's not going to stir the pot, even though we see him stirring the pot. Like, if Ben had any sense of anything in him, and I'm not like trying to say he's dumb, like he's just maybe not adapt to survive. Like we we're talking about Imogen before, who can adapt and pick up on things. Like Ben's clearly not that type of person. Like he's got to realize he's got a disadvantage. He's got to work his way in. He's you know it's not his fault that he got brought in at that point, but he's still got to try and work to the best he can. You know we saw that with Justin and Gabby. They got brought in late, and they worked their way in. So, like, Ben just wasn't able to adapt. And, you know, I'm sure, Matt, if this was you, if this is your season that you played and you get brought in as a reward, and who wouldn't want Matt Dyson as a reward, by the way? <laughs> that is a reward in itself. Um, you're straight away going to be working these people, aren't you? You're going to sit back yeah. and just be like, soup. I just reckon I just reckon that, who knows, but I, there's more to the story. I reckon he may have even known that he was only going to be on there for, like, one episode or two episodes, and that was it, like... I just don't think he ever had a proper chance of going further in his game because why would they want him further in the game? He's not a celebrity. This is a celebrity show. The, tr- the whole reason for the show is trying to get appeal from the audience of, oh, I know that celebrity. Like, let's tune yeah. in. 
He's not that. He's not playing for a charity. The whole point of this game is to win a hundred thousand dollars for your charity. He, th- what, what's going to happen? They're going to get to the end. He wins, and then all of a sudden, a, a show that's called you know Celebrity Survivor about charity is for charity. He wins it and says, "Oh, thanks. Here's a hundred thousand. I'm going to go have a holiday now." It doesn't make sense because he's the only one who didn't play for a charity. He, did, he yeah. didn't have a charity, so, so I'm assuming make, so he, he would have gotten a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I don't know. There, there's more to it. And that's why I think it's a bit harsh saying he's the worst player of all time because I don't think he ever had a, a proper chance of playing and, this and game. I, and, I, and I get that, and I do. But, like, you know, as I said, like, that's just my interpretation. That's my basis of it. And, like, it's kind of almost like like I – this is the same argument that I would say in US Survivor. To me, Chris Underwood is the worst winner of Survivor. And it's but it's it's not his fault that he's the worst winner of Survivor because he played the game how it was presented to him and he won based on how it was presented to him. And I think by default he automatically is the worst winner because again, like, you know, he played what, like twenty days, you know, just all those sort of things. So this is where I look at someone like Ben Wynn, like almost by default to me he's the worst player. And again, it's not his fault. Like everything we're just talking about there, he's been given this, presented this, done this, done that, like it's not like Ben Wien has come out and done these things to himself. He's played how it's been presented to him. He's gone out there as kind of, I agree with what you said. Didn't really have a snowball's chance of making it far into this game. He's done what he could. He could have maybe fought a little bit more. He could have done this, could have done that. I don't know. But just to me, based on what we had and what we saw, I just, I can't rank anyone below him. That, yeah, that's just me. Here I was hoping that I might have changed your mind today, Ben, but Sorry, uh, it doesn't Matt. look like it's it's ever going to happen. Now, tell us what happens on next week's Survivor. Well, before that, just uh, another little fact here. Um, we don't, I'd often like to look at the uh, Survivor Wiki. Uh, they don't have a lot of facts, I feel, about the older seasons of Australian Survivor, so I don't often rely on it. But this is an interesting fact. Uh, ben is the first Indigenous Australian to compete on Australian Survivor. So that's a, that's a, that's a good little fact to, uh, to point out. Uh, so good for that. I like I like that little uh, fact there from Ben. Have we how many have we had since Barry uh, comes to mind? Mm-hmm. Um, Tegan, Tegan, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah there's been, been a few. A few. I, I yeah, feel there's been a few more that we're forgetting. And sorry to everybody who maybe we are forgetting. Please, as always, write into us and let us know who we're forgetting. Uh, next week, uh, we get a couple of. Interesting moments, Matthew Dyson. We get Fiona V. Amber heating up. <laughs> and for the first time in Australian Survivor history, we get a tribe swap, which mm. is interesting. Quarter of the way through this season, next week, hard to believe that, three episodes in, and we get a tribe swap, which is exciting. I, I'm actually, it is. Like, I'm, I'm old school. I don't mind a begonging. I don't mind a non-tribe swap season. I, I'm that weird person. But it's exciting to kind of see it like in its first like it's like when you watch africa it's still a bit exciting to see the first tribe swap isn't it even though you know it's going to happen so and i think that's what's yeah these days we all there's always a tribe swap so that's why this season kind of has that old school and new school to it you know so yeah i'm uh, looking forward to the tribe swap next week we should mention of course that generally as people know we clearly usually do recap interview recap interview we try to get the contestant on but i'm sure you've kind of gathered in this episode that mr wins a little bit difficult to get so unless a miracle happens between now and next week we will move straight into our episode three recap uh ben if you're listening if you track this down like give us a call our number is 555 australian survivor archives I don't know. Um, just, just ring triple zero. Just ring triple zero, and Matt will answer. Ask for 
Yeah. yeah. That's that's how it works. That's how you get a hold of Matt, right? <laughs> Text triple zero. Oh, can I have Matt, please? Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week to, to chat about yeah, an interesting one. And, and I, I think, uh, yeah, it's always good when you get a first in a, in a show when you're going through history. And um, yeah, we, I mean, we had a few firsts last year. It was the, the first season. Of course, it's going to be first. But when you move on, it's going to be interesting. In the meantime, of course, uh, speaking of getting in contact with us, you can always send us a message. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. We are there. YouTube, of course, now. Uh, we, uh, we release video interviews. So if you missed uh, Kim's interview, David's interview, you want to see it in video form, you can, of course, see that on YouTube. Go back and watch our season one reunion that is available on YouTube. And we will post all our interviews on there. We generally don't post these episodes on there because I'm assuming you don't want to stare at our faces for two hours. I mean, I don't even want to stare at our faces for two hours, but you know, it helps us talk and communicate and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and all the services while you're there, please leave us some feedback, rate us. We'd love to hear your thoughts and we love hearing from you. We love hearing what you think of the show and, uh, getting involved. And, uh, we hope you enjoy what we put out here and on social media too. Bit of fun throughout the week as well. So, uh, Matt, what are we closing out with today? My friend, you gave us a bit of a teaser at the beginning. Have we changed tune or are we doing a bit of the Nelly? We we have to do a bit of Nelly because, I'm, I am sad that we, let's be honest, we're not going to be talking about Ben Winner ever again now as, unless we get him on the show, but uh, he, he's done and dusted for this season. So, um, and, and I've enjoyed his, I've enjoyed his three nights out in Vanuatu and Ben, like I said at the start of this episode, all good things come to an end and I think it's only fitting that we get a song from uh, Nelly Furtado's hit album, Loose, from 2006. All right. Well, as we close it out, I'm going to close it out by saying that uh, my name is Ben and I am also a god amongst men. (laughs) You are, Ben. You are. My name's Matt Dyson and I've got to go get some basket blong titi. That's bras. I don't know why I need a bra, but apparently that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Take it away, Ben. Physically and emotionally, I'm finding it really, really hard. Really tough today. My head is saying to me, keep going. Um, my body is saying, stop. I really want food. I really would like some food too. What do you have to do around here to eat? Life in Kukula and life in Mosa is probably like uh, us being in the penthouse and those guys in the, in the, uh, in the doghouse, I suppose. Um, you know, we've got everything going for us. We've got food, we've got pretty good shoulder at the moment. Ben. Life since Ben's turned up. It's like going back to school, you know, and, and taking on a subject you've never done before. They've got one extra player, Fiona. Yep. Daunting? No. Why not? Because we've got a big heart, bigger than the size of their tribe. Our heart's bigger, so we'll give it the best shot we can. Okay, that's fighting talk. Well, look, I've got to ask you this. These guys are doing it tough, right? You guys have been... Not crowing, but you're pretty proud of the amount of food you've got. With that in mind, would you like to share your food with this tribe? No problem at all. First, guys, you got a bit of a handout yesterday. You're welcome. I actually had to go out there and put my hand out to her and say thank you. It's too tough too soon, that's what she's saying. She's certainly not befriending any of us. The gorgeous boys gave us half their food anyway, so we won. Come on, hey, Robo Girls. Robo Girl, come and have a peek. Robo Girl, come and have a peek. I'm honestly fine on the stuff I found on the beach. And whether it's making a point, I don't know. I don't care if I come across hardcore, but I reckon our tribe has ever
tone down the girl power at times. I'm sorry to say, this tastes fan-damn-tastic. I am trying to convince everybody to vote for Fiona. I purposely planted that seed and I'm continuing to give it a rub in the right direction. Imogen Bailey on the board. I think it's just boys and their toys. At the moment, the machete's our toy over here, so we're using it to the best of our ability. What do dolphins eat? Fish. We just have to bust our butts to win the immunity so they lose because at some point it's going to merge. And if we can get the four of us into the merged tribe, our four strongest, us and Justin, can still win immunities, even with four people. I don't want to be horrible or hardcore. I'm just being honest. That's me. Kick me out at some point for being too honest. It's all good. My mother always told me not, not to get in the way of a woman that's on a mission. <laughs> so, I'll fix it by Kukula. Confidence running high. Feeling invincible. We're never overconfident. It's always a challenge. Man of few words. But boy, when he speaks, the ground shakes. David Ockwell. <laughs> They copped out, they You were in Blackthorn Town, weren't you? Class Blong Swim. Basket Blong Titi. Class Blong Look Look. String Blong Fish. Stick Blong Bayer. Basket Blong Titi. Oh, she's a tease. Grass Blong Piggin. Actually, that's Grass Blong Pigeon. I think um, myself, Nick and Amber all feel the same way. I think we kind of wish that we were going to Tribal Council tonight because it would be nice to vote Fiona out. Imogen Bailey on the board. If you vote Ben out, you're certainly going to weaken your team. If you vote out Gabby, well, you know, you're sort of keeping your, you're keeping your team at the strongest, for sure. They're not giving anything away, which makes me think maybe they're going to vote for me. Who knows? I'm a boy now. I'm a real boy! If you're breaking things and smashing things, it's uh, Elton and myself. Smashing baby! I'll read the books. Benny, Ben, Big Ben, Ben. Ben, the tribe has spoken. Number one, Piccaninny belonging queen. Any ideas? Prince Charles. Prince Charles, I told you he was a god amongst men. Snoop Dogg! You know I'm hopping with the D-R-E. 